Good evening, everybody, and welcome. Baba Louie, Baba Louie. <laughs> welcome to Inside to Insanity. It's been a while since we've done this. I think. Sadly. I think the last one was on the nineteenth. It is now the thirty-first. And well, if you missed us, you can blame Oni. Well, it's the first for me. It's the first for me. You can blame Oni. Why do I get the blame? Because you're the one that never wanted to do anything! I was the one pestering you every day like, Hey, what you doing? <laughs> that is true. Hey, what you doing? That is true. He has been pestering me like a fly round shit. And I just realized how that sounds. You ass. <laughs> now, according to my logic, I came out of an ass. <laughs> yep. Anyway. At least I'm more respectable. You're a fly. You die in like a dip, a minute. Yeah, but in that time, I fuck my brains out and have a million kids. Which all die within a minute. And you leave <laughs> them marvelous. I only live for a minute. You think I care? <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. I'm being a bit of a posh bastard tonight. Because I am drinking, and I quote, Sparkling papaya and lime. Sparkling. Yes. Quick question, what the fuck is papaya? It's like a pear, but sweet. This is very sweet. Okay. So, first things first, we have a special shout-out to do to a woman named Alfiria. I hope you're a woman. <laughs> Otherwise, It I'm is a woman. Otherwise, I have not been paying attention. It is a woman. Thank you. Okay. Anyway. Altheria has been commenting on episode 1 a lot. And, 14 comments. And for that, we want to thank you for the support you've shown the podcast, and we love you. <laughs> we love you, darling. Mwah, yeah, it's quite fabulous. Next! <laughs> Nylon? Yes? I think Preacher's at my door. Preacher? I think she heard you. She doesn't look very happy. Preacher, darling. <laughs> Nylon, you son of a bitch. Shut up, Preacher, darling, or I won't load you. <laughs> okay. So first, so that's the shout-out out of the way. And the first topic for tonight is one Nylon came up with, which is called Apocalypse Survival. And why don't you... Why don't you give the listeners a quick run-through of what you mean, Nylon? Well, what I mean by apocalypse survival, and keep in mind there's a lot of speculation on what an apocalypse would be, and many kinds of apocalypses. The rapture! <laughs> oh, please, that's not an apocalypse. That's a blessing because all the stupid people die. <laughs> the rapture is the end times. Bitch, it's the beginning of the new. There you go. Or as a character I very much enjoy would say, I'm not so much as ending the world as I'm restructuring it so it can better itself. In other words, I'm getting rid of all the stupid people. Yep. And before creation comes destruction. Anyway. Mm -hmm. But there's a few apocalyptic settings that really capture my imagination and really make me think about, hmm, what would it be like? How would I act? Now I'm taking when I'm taking this topics about the apocalypse and the apocalyptic scenarios that humanity has a chance of surviving. Ah. 
One of them that I find very interesting, despite how many people would claim it's far-fetched, again, people claim a lot's far-fetched, and I've managed, and actually we've managed to prove them many a time, it's not so far-fetched, would be the very popular zombie apocalypse. Zombies are not that far-fetched. Even the CDC has posted on their blog what to do in case of a zombie apocalypse. Obviously, these are people who not have only admitted they could create the zombie virus, but that it's a possibility. Well, that all depends because media has changed zombie lore and everything, so there's so many, 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 many different ways of going about it. I know, but when the CDC itself yeah, yeah, yeah. admits that yeah. they can make it, that's worrisome. Yeah. But what I was saying was, zombies are grounded in reality, just not as they're depicted in the media. Oh yeah. So, if someone can poison a person, bring them back on the brink between life and death, because that's essentially what a real-life zombie is. It's someone who's been dead for a short while and then revived, but not mm -hmm. fully regained themselves, if you understand what I mean. Yeah, I know. Then, who's to say it's not possible to regress almost a human being to a animalistic primal state where all there is is that instinct to hunt, kill, feed, repeat. Yep. And even and um, even before all of this modern society crap, there's been a lot of very odd accounts in the world that, if you really think about it, sound like zombies. Or uh, you can even look towards... Um, what many would call hoodoo culture, which is, if you want to know what I'm meaning, look up Max Brooks' voodoo zombie. He actually explains it very well. Um, and then, no, it's not a walking dead zombie. It's actually a living person, but, you know. Yeah, it's almost... The real-life zombie, from what I've been able to tell, is a human being that's on the cusp of being brain-dead. Mm. But... Um, then there's what people know as the the last of us zombies, or the cordyceps, which again, very possible. Well, they you have to. They talked about that, didn't they? How there's many, 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 many different strains of cordyceps, and yeah. it would only take one of them to adapt to humans, and then we could end up with the last of us. Yeah, Probably. and people say, oh well, people they use that in testing, and oh. Well, that's only in ants or anim other animals. Dude, how many diseases have originated from animals and adapted to humans? Now, here's a question for you. 200! Here's a question to whoever says that. Well, fair enough, it currently only affects insects and such. However, humanity has come up with antibiotics to battle certain diseases and they're on the cusp of cure, and they've cured several couple. Take smallpox, for example. Oh yeah, that was a bad one. However, and I put this to you, what is the most common and damn near pickiest little bastard to get rid of? And besides the common cold? I was talking about the common cold, actually, because how many times has that thing adapted that we just can't seem to get rid of it? Yep, and all it would take is a strain similar to that of cordyceps, and boom, there you go, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. It would literally take immunity. There's even a, there's a very dangerous disease, which is called sleeping sickness, I believe, which shows similar symptoms to the flu, but you eventually...
become irritable, you become aggressive. One case of sleeping sickness, I believe. I don't quote me on this being sleeping sickness. It is a disease, but I'm not sure if it's called sleeping sickness or something else. But there was one case of um, this person with sleeping sickness beating, raping, abusing his wife, and then eventually he ripped out his own eyeball. <laughs> I cannot see this no longer. No, but you can, under you can understand what I mean, how it would only take a certain strain to adapt yeah. to a certain way, and it could fuck up your life eventually. It would only take a certain mm. strain, and the world is fucked. Take, um, what else is that? Alien hand syndrome, if you've ever heard of that. I've heard of it. Yeah, that's a freaky one. That really is a freaky one. Well, if the zombie apocalypse really did happen, the first thing that would be on my mind, if I happen to still be alive at this point, would be what kind of zombies are we dealing with here? Are we dealing with the running ones? Are we dealing with the shambling ones? Are we dealing with the smart ones? Are we dealing with the ones that use can use guns? By the way, I love that movie. <laughs> I know you do, you bring it up a lot. It's a good movie! Anyway. <laughs> anyway. It That's would, like the little Mexican guy. Yeah, it would really depend really on what sort of zombies you'd be dealing with. Because then you can sort of adapt to how you survive, because... Well, I kind you, of favor You prefer the, the Shamblers. You prefer the Shamblers, you do. I it, prefer the Max Brooks zombies, which are not only the most, to me, logical, but if you look at what the CDC were saying, the most likely. Those are the ones that, um, are the one on... Pretty much the Walking Dead. Yeah, they're on the cusp of being brain dead, aren't they, on real, in real life? Or are they the other ones? Undead... Cannibals, pretty much. But, yeah. But I already know what I would do, but what would you do? <clears throat> Me? Well, I talked about this the other day, because my mum and dad watched The Walking Dead. They love The Walking Dead, right? So I walked into the front of once, and I haven't watched The Walking Dead since about the end of season three. Right? So I haven't watched a lot of it. I walked in, and I watched about five minutes of it, and I went, you know what the problem is with this? My dad looks at me, and he goes, well... And I go, they're all infected with the zombie virus. And sooner or later, they're all going to die. So either way, the zombies have won. They're fucked to begin with. <laughs> Which, you have to admit, is kind of true. It's yep. They're not, in a sense, they're not against the zombies. They're against time and life itself. Yep. Because take, um, take the big reveal when Shane died and he came back. And then um, Carl has to shoot him in the head. They're already all infected. Spoiler alert! For anyone who hasn't seen the, f what, second season? Or the first season of The Walking Dead? Yeah, in which case, where the hell have you been? I've, I've, I stopped watching The Walking Dead after season three. Yeah. And I still know what sort of happens. <laughs> I say sort of because... I, I stopped watching after season four. Mm. I have to catch up whenever I can. But to be honest, I think I'd weigh my options because if the zombie apocalypse really did happen, one of the questions on my mind would be, is everybody else who's alive already infected? If yes, then we're already all fucked. Still, so you're not just going to go, oh, well, it's pointless. Pow, blow your brains out. I probably would. <laughs> Either that or I'd do a swan dive well, into a... No, here's, here's, what what I do. here's what I'd do. I'd strip naked... Tie a bunch of grenades to my body, some all tie them with a string, so if I pull the string they're all gonna pop. 
then just blow on a massive horn, wait for a horde to come down, and just say, I'm coming, baby, and then jump into the horde to become a massive kamikaze. I have two questions for you. Hey, where the fuck are you going to get grenades? Here's a youth logic. Oh, God. <laughs> Look, if you're going to die, then go out in style. I mean, yes, I'm probably going to become some kind of human soup. But still, I'll make a bang. Yeah, I'll be the asshole that goes up to where you died and put a little sign saying, Here lays Oni. He died at soup. <laughs> oh, it, it tastes fresh. He, here lies, no, here splatters Oni. He died <laughs> as he lived. And a job. <laughs> And just to be a dick, I would throw a tea bag in your remains. <laughs> no, you know what? Just leave a just leave a cup of tea by the sign. That would be <laughs> it for me. I would be settled. Uh, Still, nah. if, you're, you, if you're already here, if a zombie apocalypse happens, you ain't killing yourself. You know, you know, if I did that, there would be stories told about that to the survivors across many years. About the crazy British person who stripped <laughs> naked and became a human kamikaze to the zombie horde. Uh, you know, uh, I will admit they'd be the one person going, and then the last grenade that was pulled the pin was the one strapped to his ball that he used Velcro to attach. Everyone Come and gather round, children. I shall tell you of the human firefly. <laughs> oh, anyway, God. back to back to logic and whatnot. Seriously, what would you do? <laughs> what would I do? Well, yeah. To be honest, like, the first thing I would try and do would be try and figure out what sort of zombies we're dealing with, because otherwise. How can you fight an enemy if you don't understand it? Of course, you could go with basic zombie logic, which is aim for the head! That tends to kill most things. Mm. But my first... Hmm, I guess... Well, most people would say, go look for survivors! Yeah, that's generally what the zombies are doing as well. And to anybody who says, when they watch apocalyptic films and such, when they say, Humanity wouldn't do that, he wouldn't divulge into roving clans of bastards and bitches. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm sorry, humanity would do that and much worse. Have you ever seen the film Doomsday? Have you ever seen the film Mad Max? The new one of that's come out, hasn't it? Mad Max Fury Road. I don't know, I've yet to see it. Well, just... Going, following along with what I said about Doomsday, it's a film about this player called the Reaper Virus, which I don't really know the specifics of, it's never really explained, but it's a very deadly virus. And it originated in Scotland, but some of the survivors, because Scotland was quarantined, so no one was allowed in and out. Oh, I remember Doomsday. A group of survivors became cannibals. If you remember, there's that famous scene where um, the leader's on the stage with two cannibal strippers and he goes, It's feeding dancing time! The chicken dance. Yeah, and he just goes, It's feeding time at the fucking zoo! I've got that film on DVD, but that's sort of <laughs> what I'm like, that's sort of what I'm going along. In a certain situation like that, your mind would pretty much shut down and you'd be following instinct the whole way. And... <laughs> 
then the shit would stop. Then, hell, that's even Walking Dead. Mm. Biggest threat there isn't the zombies, it's the humans. Mm -hmm. They did it pretty well in the Telltale game as well that they did of that. Mm -hmm. Which I've seen, but, and I will say is pretty good. Yeah. Well, like, if you're in the position of, um... Say there's a survivor with a child, and with them is about two big duffel bags full of food. Yet coming on all sides but where you are is zombies. What would you do? Honestly? Uh-huh. Being as honest as I am, and being truthful, I'd probably try and help her, but no but knowing me, I'd probably try to help her and then realise there is no point because that baby is just going to keep crying and it's just going to keep attracting them. So uh Yeah they're getting some soft meat. <laughs> no but come on, you can't exactly have a baby in the middle of a zombie apocalyptic world that they are attracted to by sound. Yep. That's, that would be a, that's a way what, to die. That's what babies do. They shit and they cry. <laughs> and they suckle tits, which old men love. <laughs> that, and some women. That is true, but mostly they shit and they cry. <laughs> true. I don't know. Um, like, seriously, I know the handbook. I know what I do. Regardless what kind of zombie they are, I know what I do. Board up my window, but before I even did that, I would take out the stairs to get up, up to the second floor of the complex I'm on. Mm -hmm. And I would go room to room of all my neighbors, taking their shit, and likely killing one or two on the way. Yeah, but the, here, here's the question for you. Say that all works out, what about when you run out of supplies? That's the best thing. What I would do, each apartment I went to, including my own, I would have tubs running and the sinks too. That way when the water's uh, cut off, I still have water all stored. Between all the food, hell, me and Logan, we're pretty good at mix-maxing shit. And not only that, but because of the roof, if we really wanted to, we could get to the other side of the complex and have a whole other area to loot. Yeah, but this this comes to a very, very important question that I think gets overlooked a lot, which is, it will never last forever. Your supplies oh, are going to run out eventually. And even though the zombie apocalypse has happened and there's still possibly a lot of places to loot, you're still going to run out of shit. I know. But that's not the point. The point is, stay where you know and you can defend as long as you can. Once that area starts to be exhausted, that's when you have to start looking out, or you have to look for a way to start becoming self-sufficient. Yeah. Which, in the, the area around me, there's no real spot that I could do that, that's defendable, like this building is. Because most of this place has a fence around the back and everything. Well, Seriously, is, take out a few steps and where, put up a little barrier in front of the in the front area, and I'd be set. People will say this is a little bit cliche, but it it is a hollow truth. And what I mean by that is, it is a hollow truth because people 
don't believe it, but they know it to be true at the same time. And it is, you will do what you need to do to survive when you are pushed to the limit. Yep. So, when you have no other choice, and when all your supplies are running out, I need people. If, if somebody has something you want, you won't care if they're a girl, boy, child, pregnant, grandma, you won't care. They are an obstacle in your way. And sadly, that is the truth of humanity. It becomes survival of the fittest. In yep. which case a lot of people will die. Yep. And I don't care, I would even eat them if I had to. But you can see where, this is why I say a zombie, apocal a zombie apocalypse would not only spell the end of the world, it would pretty much destroy it forever. Yep. Until something else came along. <laughs> I don't know. And then it would start all over again. <laughs> well, humans lasted this long. Let's see how long you fuckers last. <laughs> oh, God. So, we've said... Well, so, here, here's a question. If the zombie apocalypse would happen, what do you expect it would be? What do you expect the, the strain of zombies would be? I honestly have to say the Max Brooks ones, just because it seems... Once again, despite what the CDC said on their blog, it seems the most likely. Mm -hmm. In which case, just I already have a shitload of resources and weapons around me. Just for well, those of us who have no idea. Go take. Just for those of us, including myself, who have no idea what the Mad Brook zombies are. What exactly are they? Slow, unintelligent shamblers with... Well, it's not so much they have heightened senses, it's just they rely on them more because mm -hmm. they hunt. You mean... They have... You mean it's sort of like when a person goes blind, they start relying on their other senses. Yeah. And when your brain ain't ticking at full capacity and all you're doing is looking for food... At which case, you have to remember, in a zombie world, it'd be a lot more quiet. Mm. So if someone goes... <laughs> a mile off, they're gonna go, I heard Something. Yeah, but here's a question though, wouldn't there need to be, um, because from the sounds of it, it's sounding like the voodoo zombies I know, the ones that are sort of like half brain dead. In no, they're undead, they are fully dead. Yeah. And they're like those zombies that you could walk for five miles, and if one saw you, he will follow you, even if you've outrun him. He would just follow where he last saw you. Yep. So not only are they sh slow shamblers, they're also very persistent. Mm -hmm. Because I'm guessing, I'm guessing they have no meaning of the word patience. These are no. the people who will see you in America and they will follow you all the way to China. Yep. Bad dudes, it might take them a couple of years to get there. <laughs> Actually, they probably get there faster than you, because they don't need a boat. They can go right under the water. Granted, they won't, but... <laughs> oh, God. Here's, here's a question. This is a question for you, and also to the viewers now. I've seen movies and media with slow zombies, fast zombies, and um, there was that George A. Romero film where the, zo where the slow zombies maintained a sense of their human intelligence, and they even learned to use tools and weapons that were familiar to themselves, and also they adapted 
to what they've seen because um in one scene of the film number seven who's this um softball or baseball chick zombie i think she's about to crush a, a soldier's head with a baseball bat because she remembers how to swing a baseball bat <laughs> But Big Daddy, who's the leader of the Horde, stops her. He hands her an assault rifle. He holds her hand. He lifts it up and he pulls the trigger. <laughs> and then she, I, I so of that. she sees that. She gives the grunt and then she does it to another survivor. Which, you have to admit, with as limited of brain capacity they would have, as limited as low the chance would be, there would still be kind of a chance for them to learn and if one of them learned to use a gun I am sorry I am moving to Babylon <laughs> I don't care if it's a made of fucking city I will travel to the realm of mythology and I will live in Babylon <laughs> let's see the zombies try and get me there oh shit I'll have to deal with everything else won't I <laughs> yeah out of the frying pan and into the motherfucking fire <laughs> well they get out of the frying pan into the inferno I just got away from the zombies. Welcome to hell, bitch. Oh, shit. <laughs> I had a better trip than that. But there's also, but that's sort of touching what I wanted to get to, but like, okay, Fallout Apocalypse. Like, Fallout the game. Mm -hmm. People say, oh, where? that's even more far-fetched. We're not really. Well, where America and China go to war and they launch a nuclear strike at each other. Yeah, I'm sorry, but that's almost happened a lot of times. Isn't wasn't there um the threat fairly recently of North Korea as well with nuclear weapons? Yeah, threatening and shit. Mm. But still, they say, "Oh, well, that's not possible." All the monsters and all that shit. I'm not saying it would be just like that, but um, radiation can make some pretty weird shit. When uh, and they can uh, affect some things some pretty odd ways. When going to groundedness in reality, when America dropped the bomb on Hiroshima, the amount of radiation that is still there to this day, believe it or not, not as powerful as it was before, but the babies that were born from people who had been radiated, they were born with missing limbs, extra limbs, just mangled things, abominations yeah. you could call them, which... People may say that just doesn't sound right. Radiation can do some very strange shit to you. Yeah, so there's no telling what could happen. But say, like in Fallout, there's all these... Supposedly you're the good guy, you're the middleman, you're this, you're that, blah, 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 blah. People always, like, talk about these big moral choices. How they want to be the hero. And I say to them this. You're in an existence where law means nothing. Where it comes down to survival of the fittest. It comes down to not where will you survive, but how long can you survive. To you, there is no good or bad. It's survival. You want to know There's... the funny thing about that? Yeah. There was, um... Have you ever heard of a game called Race and Chase? No. This is a very old game, but it was cancelled, right? Yeah. Race and Chase was essentially a game of cops and robbers on a um, on PC or one of the very old consoles, I believe it was. And as the cops, as the robbers, you got to do whatever you like because you can break the law. You got to break the law, so you could do whatever you liked. 
as the cops. You have to adhere to the law. You have to follow the rules and you have to capture the robbers. Now, all through all the testing and that, they found that people preferred playing the robbers. They preferred being the bad guy because there was no rules to hinder you. There was no limit. There was no law. So, Race and Chase was cancelled and they rebooted it focusing on the villain element and this may surprise you if you don't know where this is going but Race and Chase became this little tiny game called Grand Theft Auto 1. <laughs> a game that was I had a, a game that was originally meant to be a cops and robbers game became one of the most successful game franchises to this date where you play as the villain. Yep. And I'm sorry, and who doesn't want to be the bad guy? Everybody wants to be the bad guy. There's that song, isn't it, where it feels so good to be bad. Yep. It's from All Dogs Go to Heaven 2. Yeah. And I'll, I'll admit that, that, that the song makes sense. It is true. And really think of it. When people play that game, do they have the most fun doing the missions or just being complete fucking psychos? <laughs> You're talking to a guy who has watched the Yogscast play the game and they've played a game where they got to chase down two of their friends who were on pedal bikes and the two that got to chase them were in big 4x4 trucks. Yeah, see, but here's the thing a lot of people will say, oh, well, that's a video game. Here's the thing. The reason that game is so successful isn't, you know, because, oh, it's a video game where you can do this. Coffee ball. The fuck? I don't know which um, Grand Theft Auto was. I think it might have been San Andreas. But there was um, this thing called the Hot Coffee Mod or whatever it was. <laughs> where whenever you took a hooker home, instead of it doing whatever it should have done, you got to see fully clothed polygon sex, and you got to do it. Which propelled it into being one of the most sold games ever. Which just goes to show, sex sells! <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, what I was saying is, people love that game because it lets them do whatever they want. Now, create a literal world where they have that same freedom to do whatever they want, they're going to do it! They will kill, they will murder, they will steal, they will rape. They will not give a flying fuck, because there's no rules! Isn't there Chaos that, will reign supreme! Isn't there that old saying where... I don't know if it's an old saying or something I'm making up on the thing, but I think I've heard it before. It goes, you want peace and you want freedom. The price for peace is freedom. Yep. Which is sort of along that line because in order to have peace, law and order, you kind of have to give up your freedom to do whatever you like. Yeah, there's no such thing as doing whatever you want and yet having peace. Which is why... Because then you can't do whatever you want if there's a certain rule that prevents you from doing certain things. And like, people, like people say, oh, America's the land of the free. Okay, you think you're free? Go into a deli, whip your dick out, and try taking a piss on the floor. <laughs> you can't do it! It's against the rules! See? So if you want to do it, you can't do it. You're not free. Freedom. You're free 
within a certain binding. Yeah, freedom in the mind. A little more space to move than some, but you still have a lot of binding around you. Freedom to me in the modern day is a matter of perspective. It's like saying, it's like being, well I can give it exactly as I say, it's like my pet bearded dragon Mr. Jingles. Yes, that is his literal name. He has the freedom to move about in his vivarium and he has the freedom to move about in the house. However, he is not allowed to go outside of the house unless one of us is with him or carrying him, like in the case of when it's sunny and I will take him outside to sunbathe, because he loves the sun. It's along the lines of, he gets his freedoms, but he only gets a certain amount, and he is happy with them. Yep. You are happy. That's what freedom is, and that's why, yeah. in an apocalyptic world, where there is literal freedom, is, it, what I mean by apocalyptic survival isn't so much the actual survival aspect, it's the point of, in that world, there is no law, there is no rules, there are no friends, there is no family. There was a... Sooner or later, all of that is going to mean dick in such a world. There was... It comes down to what can benefit you, which a lot of people try to glorify as be the good guy. No, 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 have you, I don't, I can't remember the film, but I watched this film where it pretty much summed this up, because... They went after this cannibal murderer, right? And when they yeah, caught him, they asked him, how could you do what you did? And he leaned forward, and he just goes, do you have any idea what true freedom feels like? And they all look at him with this confused look. And he goes, true freedom is not having the shackles of law, and it's not having the shackles of society. True freedom drives a man insane. <laughs> I like that cannibal, he makes sense. And the funny thing is, even though they charged him with everything and he got put to death, in the book he wrote he explains this whole idea of freedom. And the final passage reads, when the chains of, when the chains of law and society are removed from the subject, at first the subject will feel relief, like a great burden has been lifted. However, in the literal sense of chaining a beast, when the chains are gone, in this case, the chains of law and society, the beast becomes free, and the beast is man itself. A man, or a woman, or even a child, unchained by the law of society and order, is basically a beast. Yep. I agree with him. If anyone remembers that film, please tell me, because I love that film. I like to see it. But that was the general idea, and this cannibal taunted them throughout the entire film. Like, he would call them up, and he, in one of the scenes where he calls them up, he leans back in this chair, and he just goes, You're trying to catch a bird that has been free from its cage, and it doesn't want to go back. Good luck catching the bird. <laughs> Because That's like the saying, and I actually really like the saying, and I discovered it recently. Because mm -hmm. I was going to do something in roleplay, and I needed a good way to describe it, so I looked it up. Mm -hmm. And I found a really good one that my character Vakubi used, which was, People are simple to understand. They will all claim to love grapes, even though 
the branches are too high to reach. Hmm. Now, if I look, I if it lowers the branch, in which case they're driven mad and become my toy. Pretty much, the beast would be Vakubi in the case of an apocalyptic world. The beast brings the branch down and people go nuts. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I finally get my grapes! You know? Which is why whenever you see something that depicts an apocalyptic world, people go nuts. And in yep. which case, you always get the one settlement or the few settlements who try to reestablish law and order, and it may work for a time, but they will get destroyed. Because there's all the others, the bandits, the bad guys, who will not go back to the shackles of law and order. Yeah. They will... And with, and they crave the If freedom. you were one of the bandits, if... Okay, let's put it like this. If you're one of the bandits, if you're one of the supposed bad guys, and you have no rules, no regulations, you can do what you want, when you want, how you want, to who you want, where you want. Mm-hmm. And your position is, you know, you feel safe. And now here's these people going, oh, well, we want to give you a bunch of rules so that you don't have to do this and this and that. Would you want to go do that? Here's, here's something to compare that I to. Fuck you. Here's something to compare that to. What would happen if you took a wild wolf and you put it in a cage? It would be pretty pissed off. Exactly. It would tear your hand off if it got the chain. Exactly. But you want to know what's funny? Usually, even in movies, the people that want order and all that, that want to go back to society, are usually the ones that aren't the fit ones, that aren't the ones that can take what they want. Because if they could, they wouldn't give a fuck about society. Well, here's the thing, you do get some that are like that, and I do agree with you, and then you've got the ones who can do that, and they will do it by any means necessary. Yeah. And we know what's funny? Which then, then they're no different from the bandits. They force and do as they want in the sense of they want something, they're inflicting it on everyone. Mm-hmm. Only in their case, they're actually worse than the bandits. And I will say this because it's something even an old character of mine in an an apocalyptic roleplay used to say. You can say about me what you want, but more than anything, you need me. Not because I'm your friend, but because I let you live a dream that you're the good guys. When in reality, Reality, I'm the best person alive that you know. I don't lie about what I do. I don't hide who I am. And my intentions are always known. You, however, lie and enslave every day. Just so you can have what you call peace and order. So who's the real villain? And people hated this character... Because he would not leave them alone, as because he was a villain, but he not only because sense. of that, he, does make he sense. made sense. He, does he make made sense. them feel bad. There was um, there was another one I watched, an apocalyptic zombie one, where these people got captured, and they called him evil. They said, "How you said it's inhuman what he's doing," and he just went. He turns around, and he just goes, "Inhuman." And let me show you something. So he pulls them over to the balcony, and it shows them, like, he had a fairly large settlement, and there's all the people walking around. And he just goes, 
You see those people down there? They are cattle. And this is the pen. And I own the pen. I keep those doors closed. I keep them safe from the wolves out there. I own them and they think I'm their friend. I keep them safe but I can open those doors easily if I wanted. Think on that next time you try and steal from me. <laughs> Which it goes to show sometimes to be the good guy you have to be the bad guy. Hey, can you pause one second? Sure, I can pause it. Alright. Okay, we shall be... Alright. And welcome back, everybody. Now, before we get back, me and Nolan basically said that this topic became very philosophical very quickly, but the whole point is, it's enjoyable. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I'm enjoying this. It's, it's, it's a good in-view to, like, granted, we don't speak for everybody in the world. You might want to believe, oh, well, bad guys are bad guys, good guys are good guys. The reality is... If there weren't criminals doing bad things, if there weren't people doing what we call bad, we wouldn't know what bad is. Everything would be good. Well, let me put it to you like this way. To anyone out there who watches a soap opera or a drama show, there is a director, I believe it is, I can't remember his name, I think it might have been Steven Spielberg himself, or it might have been someone else, but he is quoted as saying, Drama is life with the dull bits cut out, and the dull bits are usually the peaceful bits. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that thing of conflict creates. Mm-hmm. In this case, it look creates at, entertainment. Yeah, look at the Second World War. Through the Second World War, which if you ask anyone who lived through that time, it was like living in an apocalypse. Thousands died every day. Hundreds of thousands died every day. It was hell. And you can ask them anytime you want what it was like. But here's the thing. Through all of that, mankind made a lot of advances. They learned new things, new ways of doing things. And hell, women even got more rights during that time because all the men were off dying. Isn't there that saying that um, humanity becomes more advanced through war? Yep. And um, what, that, what that saying means, at least from my point of view, is war is something that is very serious and it can mean the end of quite a lot. Hell, yep. But it's also that point is when you're pushed to the brink, you will do whatever you can to survive. Which, when you think about it, isn't that the same case with the Americans dropping the bomb on Hiroshima? Yeah, they were losing. They said, what can we do? Let's drop a bomb on them. Let's do it. Boom. Ooh, pretty light. Then Japan went, we quit. You win. You're crazy. An American went, whew. I can't believe that fucking worked. <laughs> but that's essentially the same thing. You push someone to the edge, they will do whatever they can to survive. Which, uh -huh. in this case, usually produces something viable. It produces something that can be used. And bombs, that nuke went from, oh, well, it's a destructive force, to now people make power plants with the shit. Mm-hmm. Like, um, there's even... Oh, uh, what is it now? 
there was this thing I saw that they, I don't know if it's been deployed or not yet, but it's this thing where, um, it's this massive syringe with no needle, but it's got these little pellets inside, sort of like sponge pellets. Mm -hmm. So when a soldier's been shot, they remove the bullet, and instead of, like, stitching up the wound or anything, they just put in this syringe, and they push in these pellets, and the pellets soak up the blood, and as they soak up the blood, they expand, and it creates a foam seal. Okay. Which they say is more effective combat health kits and such. And when you think about it, where else but in a battlefield would someone come up with the idea of how can we work the how can we heal someone quicker? How can we help them out quicker? Yeah. That's what it really comes down to. It just shows. Yeah. Like, um, Conflict is bad, but it's also pretty yeah. fucking good. Too. Another another example of this, and this is a true story. I think it's called 128 Days or 128 hour, 128 Hours Later. I think it is where this guy got caught in this gorge, and as he fell, he got his hand trapped in a boulder, and he couldn't move. And he knew he was gonna die down there, so he took a knife, and I think it was one of them um, Swiss Army knives or something like that. And he cut through his own hand, like he cut through the bone, he cut through the muscle. He cut off his own hand just to get out of that gorge so he wouldn't die. And that's, this was a true story. Hey, survival is a bitch. Mm -hmm. It's that old like You climb a certain mountain. Like, okay, here's a dumb example, but a true one. Family Guy, where they're climbing Everest, and on the way down they're starving. And, and they, they find the, the frozen kid. child. Yeah! I'm sorry, but if you were in their position, uh, modesty be damned, you're gonna eat that motherfucker. Isn't isn't that similar to the story of Captain Oates? True. For, some, no, you'll, for, you'll, for people who don't know who Captain Oates is, for someone who don't know who Captain Oates is, and I don't know that much about him, he and this guy, I think he was called Scotty or something, I might be wrong on that, he, Captain Oates basically took this walk out of the tent in the Arctic or somewhere because they ran low on food. And the only surviving document of it is Scott's diary, as far as I can tell. Bear in mind, my only knowledge of this comes from Red Dwarf. TV and games! My education! <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it's okay, Bobo. Shut up. Anyway. <laughs> People say, well, because it's written down in Scott's diary, this is how it happened. Who's to say Scott didn't whack him over the head and cannibalize him for extra food? Well, you Because there's a there's an old saying as well is keep, keep your friends close. I would just have this visual of him whacking the guy over the head with like a coffee pot and then he well, well the way they said it in bashing his head over the Well the way they did it in Red Dwarf was was, well, how do we know Scott took this legendary... How do we know that Captain Oates took this legendary walk from the only remaining document, Scott's diary? And he's hardly going to say, I can't remember the date, but he's hardly going to write down, insert date here, and then goes, killed Oates today, bludgeoned him to death with a frozen baby seal, and then scoffed him along with the last packet of instant mash. <laughs> this is British comedy for all you Americans out there. <laughs> oh, I like it. I'm sorry. I must question the logic. If you have a frozen baby seal, why not eat the seal? It was a frozen baby seal. No. They'd have to chew through the ice. 
<laughs> well, if you can cook the instant mash. With the last packet of instant mash. If you can cook the instant mash, you can melt the ice. What's that? Even if it's frozen, haven't you ever heard of a popsicle? <laughs> Suck on that seal. Oh, I love Red Wolf. It was so hilarious. Oh, God. Anyway, I think we've covered a bottle. Yeah. This went pretty good. But this also brings sort of along to our next point, which is reboots. And what I mean by that is, it's when a series has been... You okay, Nyland? Yeah, okay, my mouth's off my bed. Okay. What I mean by a reboot is when a series has been dead or silent for a, no for a number of years and then they decide to bring it back with a different crew or a different visual style or something like that. A good example would be, what, the new Star Trek? Because you had Star Trek, the original series, then you had Star Trek, the next generation, and now you've got Star Trek. You know what I'd say to that? What? Should have left it at the second one. What, next generation? With yeah. um, Patrick Stewart. I don't know. I don't like Star Trek. I'm sorry. Has Len Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> he was good. Isn't he dead now? I don't know. I know one of them died. I think it was Leonard Nimoy. Someone, I don't know. someone check that for us. <laughs> yeah. We're bringing the viewers in on this. We're bringing the viewers. We're involving them. We have a question. We ask them. Just go Google it. There you go. We would, but we're thinking up more things to talk about for your entertainment. Yeah, this is a pausable podcast, so if you're listening to this in the future, pause the podcast here, go search up if Lemon Nemo's dead, and then comment down below if he is or not. I'll get back to you. But, um, and the only reason I know anything about Star Trek, anything about Star Trek at all, guess how? Uh, Khan? Nope. What? The Big Bang Theory. Oh, yeah, because... The Leonard only Leonard reason Leonard, I know yeah. anything about Star Trek is from that fucking show, yeah, which I've uh, seen every episode of every season. The Big Bang Theory is funny. I will give it that. Oh, yeah. But um, I'm a big sci-fi fan, have always been for like One of my favorite movies of all time is Aliens, the original film Alien with Sigourney oh. Weaver, the original. I don't know what's one of my favorite favorite all-time, like, I guess you could say sci-fi movies, and nobody would assume that it would be this because of how it ends. What? Dragonheart with Sean Connery. Oh, that's, um, that's the one. I love that movie. That's the one with the dragon, isn't it? What's his name? Drake or something like that. Draco. Draco, that's him. I've got that on video. I love that film. That movie was amazing. Now, here's a question. What would you do to anyone who has ever seen Dragonheart and who anyone loves that film and remembers the classic that it was? To anyone who doesn't? You need to watch it. To anyone who has not watched that movie, watch that movie. You can probably find it on YouTube, for fuck's sake. It is, a fairly, old, it is a fairly old film. Bear in mind, I say video. Like, to like, anyone who doesn't know what a video is, Back in like the 90s or something like that, we had this thing called VHS. Yeah. Was video home system, which was you get these movies on these really big clunky brick cassettes. And I'm sounding like a very contradicting bastard. Shut up, you old hag. Oh. Which I can't say, because I'm older than you. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean, it is a fairly old movie. 
Like, it's not that old, but it's fairly old. But here's the it question. Was a great movie oh, where it's brilliant. And to this day, I can still watch that and smile. Oh, I'm sorry, really? just the part where he's looking at the ground and like, sink, and the ground is like, I can't, the water's not deep enough. <laughs> oh, God, I was laughing. Oh, but the time he's under the water looking at the sheep and he's like, ooh. Oh, that is funny. <laughs> but one of the funniest part was the stupid priest who was sitting on the dragon's head writing. He's like poking it, and the dragon's look, looking up like, "Dude, you did not just poke my forehead, you dick!" Oh, uh, wasn't there that scene where the girl shows up and he just goes, "Why haven't you? Why haven't you eaten her yet?" And he just goes, "She makes good company." <laughs> or even better, the time where they're talking to each other and the the swordsman brought. No, Braun. Yeah. I think it was Braun. Is sitting on the dragon's tongue and they're talking. And the dragon hocks a loogie on him. <laughs> oh, I remember oh! that. Or the part where he takes the other one's uh, bones out of the dragon's teeth. He's like, ugh, Sir Arthur. Throws it out. And the dragon's like, Arthur, I've had the one for weeks. And he's like, stop talking, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Fucking bouncing up and down on the dragon. Oh, I remember that. You know what my first thought of that when I saw that when I was a little older was? What? He's got very sweaty balls. That dragon has a very strong taste. I'm sorry. I don't know how long I can keep a knight in my mouth with sweaty balls. <laughs> That'd be a little... Yeah, 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 yeah. Does this take a shower before getting in my mouth, you son of a bitch? Oh, Dragonheart was amazing. Oh, the part where he's swinging through the trees and the dragon's making fun of him. Oh, yeah. Oh, the head of you, swordsman. Boom. Oh, I did warn you. <laughs> and again, bish, and again, bish, and again. I've been doing this the all day, you know. Uh, that film was, was amazing. But getting back to the point. I recently noticed. What? You know the chick that tries to stab the, the king? Yeah. The curly haired redhead? Yeah, 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 yeah. Guess who reminds me of her? Bodicea? Who? I don't know. She always reminded me of Bodicea. No, you know who she reminds me of? Who? She reminds me of the princess from the movie Brave. Oh, yeah. Same attitude, same look. You really, you, you can't not see the resemblance. It's like, huh? Even Scooby-Doo would go, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, but going back to the point now, what would you do or anyone do if they came out saying, we're doing a reboot of Dragonheart? Oh, I'd stab a bitch. That's the point. You get a movie like that, and it will never be as good as the classics. Like, they've rebooted, what's a good few examples? They've rebooted... They poltergeist, oh my god, the reviews on that. I am going to smack okay. someone. Did you watch it? Poltergeist was amazing. Did you watch the reboot of that? I watched 20 minutes, I couldn't take it. Okay, you That's watched 20 minutes so of bad it. bad it Here's was. the thing. Would I could s- not take it. Here's the thing, I have not watched it, but I've watched the Angry Joe review of it, where they tore that movie to shreds. They better have. They did. But you can understand what I mean by that. 
They... I'm gonna scare Jurassic World to shred. Oh god, Do Jurassic not World. not with my Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is amazing. The original Jurassic films. Jurassic Park 1 and 2, I went and watched the other night. I watched 3, which some people claim to have a problem with. Logan himself dislikes it. But I really loved them. There so a... when they're talking about, oh, Jurassic World looks great. No, it doesn't! There's it could have um... the whole franchise. Oh, what was it now? What am I trying to remember? I fine with it if they wanted to make another movie, but without all the stupid shit they're trying yeah. to do. Like, do you remember um, the original Nightmare on Elm Streets with Robert England? Oh yeah, I remember those. Now, concerning the reboot they did that came out in like, what was it, 2008, 2010? <laughs> Around about then. Jackie Collins, I believe his name is, the actor who played Freddy in this new movie. From what I've heard and from what I've seen, he does a good Freddy. Like, he does his own version of Freddy. He does a good, evil, visceral Freddy. Which is good. Like, that's good. That fits Freddy's character to a, to a certain degree. You know what movie I always hated? What? This is a one movie I would like to see a reboot of, just to see if people can make it better. Mm -hmm. And that movie would be Scream. Scream. That was the one with Ghostface, wasn't it? Ghostface, and he had the big, like, kitchen knife. Yeah. You know there's seven of those. I know. But still, I never, ever liked it. I watched... It always... I watched... Like, I couldn't even see what was the guy. I watched one of the screams, and I will say this now, I watched one of the screams, and the only reason I sat through it was because one of the characters in there was played by someone from Friends. The, the woman who played Monica from Friends was in that, which is the only reason I sat through that movie. You know what Scream I did like and find funny? Which one? The one where it was made up. <laughs> the, the dumb one, like the, the, the making fun of it version. Oh, that I watched because that to me movie. was more scary. Scary movie. Yeah. That was scarier than the actual Scream like, movie, this, just this because of how bad it was. They took the piss out of it in that one scene where the woman's running away from him and he catches her and he stabs her in the chest, which happens in the real movie. In the piss-off version, the spoof version, he catches her, he stabs her in the chest, but instead of killing her, he pulls out her silicone breast enlargement implant. <laughs> he even pulls it off his knife and he just goes, Bleh. <laughs> or the scene where he cuts the chick's head off and she's like, oh, well, now I'm supposed to be dead, huh? I'm just like, oh, my God, that's an annoying bitch. Oh, God. There's even that scene in one of the ghost movies where a ghost has sex with one of the girls, and I'm sorry, she becomes such a nymphomaniac. There's even one of them sorry. where um, the drug... It must be that thing, like... There's that one saying, if you go black, there's no going back. Yeah. Well, dogs we'll, get, we'll get this. Yeah. We'll get this. There's the one character in it who I have to describe him exactly how it is. He's the weed-smoking ghetto guy, right? And he starts rolling a spliff in one of his rooms, right? In one of the rooms. A Venus flytrap comes to life and starts rolling him into a spliff. It hangs it up, it gets a massive torch, and it sets his afro on fire. <laughs> As the end of the spliff. Oh, that I like was that. funny. That you know what funny. Charlie Sheen movie I like? Oh, the the spoof one that he did of like scary movie where it's like they were making a spoof of that alien movie that came out. Mm -hmm. Signs. Yeah. That was funny. I like that. Charlie Sheen is good at what he does. 
Yeah. When he says, I'm going to make something funny, he does. He does. Yeah. But this this comes back to what I was saying about how Jack, of how Jackie does Freddy Krueger, because Freddy Krueger now, played by Jackie, is okay. The original, played by Robert England, no one will ever be better than Robert England as Freddy Krueger. No shit. And that's also the same with uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they've rebooted that. They've rebooted The Leprechaun. They've rebooted... Uh, what else have they rebooted? I want to see The Leprechaun reboot. What, the WWE one? If it's even still out. Probably. Mm. The only reason I want to see it is I want to see little horny horns woggle be, try to be threatening. I want to uh, see if he can. I've seen a little bit I don't of see I've seen some of the trailers and the makeup, and the makeup looks okay. Like, the makeup they've given him. And then um, another reboot they did was, um, you're, you know, I don't know if they did it as a film or a TV show, but it was called The Bates Motel. I think it was a movie. Which actually has significance to me, and here's the reason why. Personal information here. My last name is Bates. Only Bates. Yeah. So, and that movie, The Bates Motel, is based off in an Alfred Hitchcock movie, which you may have heard of, you may not have heard of, called Psycho. Heard of it? If anyone has ever heard of Psycho, you know it is a horror classic. You know what movie I always love? What? Here's Johnny! Oh, The Shining. I watched that. Oh, that movie was awesome. I watched The Shining with, um, who's the actor in it now? What's his name? Oh, I can't remember. I can't Everybody remember his me. name. I can't remember, I've, I can't remember his name, but I've seen him in a couple of other films. I'm sorry, but that man just imbues evilness. He just he has did. this evil look about him. He also did the Joker in one of the Batman oh, yes. He beautifully. He Didn't did he? He's a very good he did actor. awesome. He, like, he tasers the guy to death, and then he's like, "Woo, look at the hot of you!" I'm just like, "I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you." You're funny. <laughs> he uh, is psycho incarnate, and I love yeah. him. But him in The Shining was absolutely amazing. Now, Aww. here's a question for anyone who's ever seen Psycho, or well, not Psycho, because they did the reboot of that at Bates Motel. Who has ever? Who? Here's a question: Who have ever seen the original Shining? Right. What would you do if they did a reboot of The Shining? Oh God, no, no, they're not ruining that movie. Now bear in mind, I have, that was just. I have a friend who is a movie buff, and he loves The Shining. And when I say he loves it, he loves it almost religiously. <laughs> that I is know how someone much he loves who it. bought like the second book of what The Shining is, mm-hmm. and because like. Uh, she read my book. She tried to do me the favor, but then she couldn't like t- type the whole book up for me to read it. She would literally get into a call with me. I would lay down, and she would read the fucking book to me. <laughs> and I'll admit, one scene in that book made me go, "Huh, interesting." interesting. Yeah, because it's based off a book by Stephen King, isn't it? The Shining, or a couple of yeah. books. Which so, that been... was one of Stephen King's good mm. productions. What else is there? Uh, is by Shawshank Redemption is meant to be a good one as well, I believe. I want to show you a video later to show you why I don't have much of a liking for Stephen King. Mm. Just like if people, just like a lot of people say, oh, 
Well, you must love H.P. Lovecraft. No, I do not. That's like, well, that's... That's, a, that's somebody I would slap. I would literally slap H.P. Lovecraft because of how much I dislike what he interprets as horror. Well, uh, now, I know there's a lot of H.P. Lovecraft fans out there. Please, this is my opinion. I personally highly dislike now, I, I only know H.P. Lovecraft from two things. Shoggoth, the Shoggoth, and Cthulhu. Okay. Those are the only ones I know H.P. Lovecraft from. However, you know who my all-time... We'll cover this later in another topic. But yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my biggest adorations for horror, Vincent Price. Oh, that I man I was brilliant. Oh, he did horror good. There was, um... Okay, talking about bad reboots, because we've talked quite a bit about the bad reboots and such. Paranormal activity. <laughs> Is that a reboot? I I don't know. To me, it's just another ripoff of Blair Witch. Oh, oh yeah, because you mentioned what was that film you mentioned there that you said it was just another Blair Witch ripoff. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't Paranormal Activity. It was. Um... No, it was one about being in a school and some other shit. And people are praising and saying, "Oh, this is what horror is meant to be." Bleh, 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 bleh. Something totally unique. Shut the fuck up! That is a Blair Witch ripoff mixed with paranormal activity and a whole truckload of stupidity. Those I call those films as um, what I call those films as found footage films, which can be fun to watch. But... They can be fun, but to anyone who says that they're original or that's what horror should be, I say no. Want to know what horror should be? I know what horror should be. I've proven it. And I can give you, Oni, a story right now that would probably make you a little creeped out and want to never touch a computer well, again. Well we talked about well we talked about this as well, where we took where we talked about um, Five Nights at Freddy's, didn't we? About how we talked how we would make the game. How we oh, would yeah. how we would eliminate the cheap jump scares and focus on the soul creepiness of the whole oh, affair. Yeah. Which horror can be horror is vast. Horror is very, very vast. But it can be thrilling, it can be chilling, it can be jaw droppingly and pants shedding, it can be creepy as all hell. You know what to me horror should always be, no matter what, what? it should be that type of thing where it just makes you think and it makes you afraid. It makes you avoid, like, wanting... You, you don't want to sleep because you're afraid of what will be watching you. It makes you not want to see your reflection. It makes you want to avoid saying specific words. That's horror. There was a good... There was a horror film I watched, and when I say horror film, it was sort of like a horror film, but it became a little bit cheesy in my mind, and it was called Candyman. Oh god, that actually really that was a movie that got to me really badly. That's what I mean. That, to this that day was a good movie. I'm to this day, I that. avoid my reflection. Just even if I have to think that name, I avoid my reflection. Yeah. It's not even it's like something I want to repress in the deepest corners of my mind. 
That's how bad that movie got to me, and to, and that is what I say is good horror. That it's, was amazingly that movie, well that thing done. That makes, if it can mess with your brain, if you can make you psychologically scarred and afraid of something, no matter how irrational, that's good horror. Well, and for someone like me, who's a research and rationality junkie, to be afraid of something like that? <laughs> That's saying something. Yeah, and the, this also brings it back to a couple of months ago, my friend Hailey came around, and we watched a comparison video of the Japanese version, the Japanese film called Ringu, and the American version called The Ring. Right? Now, people will say The Ring is an amazing film. Not really. For my personal tastes, I prefer Ringu. And here's a couple of reasons why I prefer Ringu. One, Ringu is more true to the source material. And I, people are going to say, what? What source material? Here's the thing. There's a story in Japanese folklore about a Daimo's daughter who gets tossed down a well and she dies there. And the reason she's tossed down a well is because her jealous stepmother, I believe it is, tosses her down. I can't really remember the folk story. And the well in that video that they watch that she comes out of. It's meant to be the well that she it's meant to be the well that she was thrown down. Which, even though it stretches it a bit, if you think about it, it does remain true because it's like she comes out of the well that she was tossed down from and it works on that because she is wet but she's not dripping wet because the well supposedly dried up. Now here's one thing. I watched a few scenes of the ring and I watched a few scenes of Ringu. Here's one crucial difference between the two. The ring, the monster is soaked. She looks, um, what's the word? What's the word when the water messes up your skin? Bloated. No, no, not bloated. She looked, um, ah, oh, what's the word? What's the word? She looked bluish. She looked... Like she had been washed up or drowned or whatever it was. She looked like she had been in the water far too long. Which, as I've said, the well was meant to be bone dry. But also, and this is one of the things as well. A, she glitched all over the place like a ghost. A cybernetic one, I might have you. Because even after she came out of the TV, she still glitched about with the static. Which, <laughs> And B... They showed her face. Why would you do that? Ringu. Ringu, she had a much more human appearance. And I'm sorry, a little a girl with long black hair is creepy as hell. Just watch The Grudge. Or better yet, watch Juwan The Grudge. They do it a lot better. And here's one of the scenes. That famous scene at the end where the final guy dies... You don't get, but you see the whole thing, how he's fucked up, how the ring version fucked up his face and that. In Ringu, you don't see what happens to him. You just see the eyeball of the girl staring at him so intensely, and you just see him scream at the camera, and then it fades to negative, and then black. Uh -huh. The way they did, I'm probably saying this really, really bad, so it's not coming across as well as it should do, but the way they presented how it was, how they structured it, how it all fit together. Ringu 
in my mind is far superior to the ring because it just does certain things that I prefer to be right and as I've said that there's the key word I prefer it's it pretty much all comes down to your own perspective and your own opinion but for me personally having that mystery there having that mystery of you don't know what this thing looks like and you don't know what it's just done to someone adds only to the horror it adds only to the suspense because you don't know what that thing's going to do to you I would agree and then um, here's another thing as well apparently Ringu came out before the ring think about that one uh. and oh that reminds me you're gonna love this. Hunger Games, right? You know people love the Hunger Games. Sadly. Here's the thing, though. It's a rip-off of a Japanese film called Battle Royale. And Battle Royale is essentially the same, except it's grounded in the modern day. Not in the futuristic setting, in modern day. And it is a lot more gritty. Well, no shit, Japanese films are kind of well known for that. I think Japanese films are amazing. Like, I sat through... I sat through... I sat through and I watched Juwan the Grudge 2, right? Uh-huh. And this movie, I can describe this movie in several ways, but the best way I can describe it is... One half of the movie, you're going to be scared. The other half of the movie you're going to have your mind fucked. And here's one of the scenes that I'll explain why. There's a scene where the boy and the girl are, are reading through a couple of notes and they're coming through, they're reading through a couple of the files on the house. You know the house where the grudge is. Uh-huh. And there's this thumping sound against the wall. It's a rhythmic thumping sound. It always happens in a rhythm, right? The boy leaves to get a drink or something, I believe. And when the door closes, the thumping stops, right? So she goes out, she knocks on the door, there's no answer. She knocks again, no answer. She opens the door, she flips on the light, and hanging from the ceiling by what can only be described as black hair threads is the boy she was with and he's swinging back and forth. Now here's a question for you. How can he be both with her and dead, swinging against the wall at the same time? One's not her, one's not him, I mean. Here's another thing as well. She gets pregnant in the film. And when she's giving birth, the boy grudge, the supposedly good one, is by her side, but he disappears after a while. Then all you see is an explosion of blood from between her legs. Right? It splatters all over the place. And then you hear... Like, I'm terrible at the grudge noise, but you hear that. And you see from in between her legs, you see the blood-covered grudge face. And it is a major mindfuck. Because at the end of the movie, she's okay, and she's walking with what can only be her son, who has a very striking resemblance to the boy grudge, right? And you know how um, the girl Grudge supposedly has her head twisted around and she's like broke her spine or something? Yeah. Well, a girl passes them two and the boy stops. He lets go of his mother's hand, she keeps walking, unaware I believe, and then all you hear is a scream. The camera pans round, you see the boy at the end of the stairs 
where they came up so that they were going the opposite way of the girl. And the camera zoom looks down the stairs and you see the girl that had skipped past them with a doll at the bottom of the stairs, her head twisted around with her back broken, right? The camera then pans back to the woman as the boy walks up to her and holds her hand. She grows a very fine smile. And like that, the film ends to black. This is meant to be the end of the film, so either the film goes from ending to front or middle front end or middle end front. I don't know, the film is a major mindfuck. Not bad. It's a good one. I think that is a definite good one. But it does raise the one question, and I will still ask this question today if someone asks me about Juwan. The question is, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> that is the question, and if you can make a film where that question can remain unanswered, then bravo, you have either done a very good job, or you've done a very bad one. Sure enough. But that's why I kind of like, this is why I kind of like horror that leaves a lot to be answered. I like horror that leaves quite a lot of mystery because it keeps the audience guessing and it allows them cr to create their own answers, if you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Because I'm the same way with my horror. If it stays with you, even a little bit, you have done your job. I'm trying to think of a good reboot. Uh, a good reboot. Because most of the reboots they've done have been absolutely shit. Oh crap. I'm not joking now. To anyone who's ever heard of the British TV show, it's ended now, it's been ended for a good while. But there was a British TV show called Only Fools and Horses, right? Which is a beloved comedy series of mine. And a while back, well, this is going back a couple of years, they planned to do an American version, right? Oh, God. I'm not joking now. My mum my went, they're planning on making an American version. And I went, yep. And she goes, and, I, and she went to me, why would they do that? And I just go, I don't know, maybe they aren't funny enough on their own. <laughs> Which, I'm sorry, why would you ever try and make an American version of Only Fools and Horses? That just would not work. It's like that, it's like how I say Japanese horror films are better than American horror films. Because they have their own way of doing it, and with a lot of American films I've noticed, they'll take the best bits, and they'll fuck it up. Like, take the new Poltergeist as well. One of the best things Angry Joe says about that is they had real set pieces and they had real props. In the reboot, they focused far too much on CGI. Yeah, that's like everyone claims, oh, CGI is the best. No, it's not! Proof is everywhere! CGI is, and you want to know the funny thing? The best, someone summed this up brilliantly. And you are never going to guess who this is unless you've heard him say it. He said, 
computer-generated graphics are an enhancement to the film. They should never be the main focus or the main attraction. You know who said that? I don't remember. George Lucas. <laughs> and, well, we've all know what's happened to him. But you can understand why he'd say that. Because people will say, we, they, people will say, the CGI is good, but if it's the main focus of the film, then what are you doing? Like, a lot of people will say they prefer the old films when they had the proper set pieces and they had the proper props. Yeah, most of them were cheesy as hell, but they were fun. They were entertaining. That's why they got so popular. Hmm. Well, come on, Braveheart had CGI, but most of that was real props. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Look how funny real, that is. Real props can't be, um, they can't be matched. Like, look at the Scorpion King 2. That had a lot of CGI. Yes. Look at the Scorpion King, the movie with the Rock, the full movie about the Scorpion King. Most of it was actual props. Reason, it looks better. It looks more real. The Rock literally took it on himself to learn how to fight with a sword so that he could do the movie. You have to give him credit. That takes a lot more talent as an actor. Yeah, and here's the funny thing as well. You remember the film I mentioned to you, don't you, with Danny Dyer and... Um whatever his name was, called Doghouse, which is one of the most stupidest zombie films ever, but is, by God, one of the most entertaining. That, the set they did, you're, you, if you've ever seen it, you remember that town they're in? Yeah. That town is real. That is not a CGI town. They went to a town, and they rebuilt it. Like, the main church area is a hospital. That whole town is real, and you can go to that town. And I, I love, don't want to now. I love that film, and I love it for what it is as well. But you can tell it's not CGI when they're running in and out of all the buildings, and all the buildings have their own interiors. They have their own designs. It all looks natural, and it all flows naturally. Which in a zombie movie you kind of need. True enough, like, The Walking Dead, you kind of need that realness. Hmm. kind of need that, like, how do you say it? That free-flowingness. It can't look choppy. It can't look fake. It has to look real. Otherwise, people wouldn't like the show. Which is something you have to credit them on a lot. They make that shit look fucking real. There's all, there's, talking about reboots as well, because most reboots now are done with CGI and such. But if you watch the CGI, and then you watch the original, yeah, the people may look more realistic, they may look the whole thing, but under it all, it is just fake as hell. And, here's a question, here's a question for you. How can they have 
Oh, here's a good one. Here's a question for you. Who's ever seen the film Predators or Alien vs. Predator, right? Yo. Hmm? Me. Yeah. Here's the thing. The Predator, how tall he is, he's like an eight-foot-tall monster, right? You would not think he's a real person, would you? No. You would think he's CGI or you think he's something else. Yeah, like Actually, a robot. Or something yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Actually, he's a normal person inside that suit on stilts. And when you think about it, the things that creature does with all the jumps and all the fighting, you need to be pretty well balanced on stilts and in that big heavy suit with all the equipment and such strapped onto it to even be able to move. Let alone crouch, jump, fight and move as fast as the Predator does. Yeah, that definitely takes a lot of skill. Holy shit. And the thing is, you know how bulky the Predator looks, don't you? You know how bulky he looks because he's like this old oh, yeah. hunter. The guy who plays him is as thin as a twig. <laughs> Did I see that coming? Yeah, he's not that bulk up. Like, he looks more like me. Like, of course, he's got to have a little bit of muscle on him to be able to move and all that, but he doesn't look like you'd expect him. He doesn't fit the... He doesn't fit the Predator's body type exactly. Not what you expect. No. But this is what I mean. The Predator is real, and he looks real, and it flows well because he's fucking real. Damn great it does. That movie's huge. Even the Arnold Schwarzenegger one was huge. <laughs> it's like, whenever they do a reboot, I don't understand this. Whenever they do a reboot, they do it with so much CGI. I mean, look at the, um, look at the prequels to Star Wars, for an example. Even George Lucas himself has said pretty much 99% of the film is blue screen. George, what were you doing, mate? Just, what were you doing? I don't know. Ugh. Maybe he's trying. Maybe he's gonna turn around and go, "See, now do you believe what I said about CGI, you bitches?" <laughs> I would laugh if he turns around and says that. Like some people say, "How? Why did you make the prequels?" And he just goes, "I wanted to prove how bad CGI is when it's the focus of the movie." If he did that. I love him. <laughs> I'll admit, I enjoyed the prequels, but I've got the entire Star Wars collection, and I've watched. 4, 5, and 6. 4, 5, and 6 just look more real. They look a lot better. Here's how you can tell they look more real. When Boba Fett falls into the Sarlacc pit, you see the sand move. You see the sand move realistically as it would if he fell on it and rolled. True enough. You then there was... Uh, you I've never seen the movie Flight of the Phoenix. Oh, uh, oh, um... Where the plane goes down in the desert and they have to survive. Yeah, 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 yeah. I watched that with my dad. That was a great movie, and they did that in the actual desert. That was a real plane Nevada as well, desert. wasn't it? Yeah, real plane, real desert, middle of the Nevada. So everything there was pretty much real. It's that whole thing where you can do the CGI so well that you may not be able to tell or you may not be able to distinguish it, but if you sit someone down and they watch the film, 
it might take them a while to click but sooner or later they are going to click that that is not real because somehow we can see this shit yep it's like it goes to the point of if you're gonna make a reboot try to make it what the movie was don't change it like don't do what they're doing with Jurassic World and don't go straight CGI then you're only gonna ruin it for people who know what it is if you're gonna do a reboot stick to proper props stick to proper props and if you're going to use CGI because pretty much every film's got CGI but if you're going to use CGI, use it as an enhancement to help. Don't make it the focus of the film. Oh, there were movies that, like, before CGI that were amazing. Like The Godfather. I love that film. Beautiful movie. Every Godfather movie was purely amazing. Very little CGI used. There's, um, who's, who's good for not using barely any CGI? The, um, the Monty Python, the Monty Python, the Monty Python films. You know what else I also hate in some movies? And this isn't even just the reboots, this is movies in general. It's shitty actors. <laughs> no, and, and, and by that, I don't mean, like, oh, just shitty actors that don't know how to act. I mean, have you ever heard of Steven Seagal? Yeah. Horrible actor. Horrible person, for that matter. Guy beat, has beaten, like, six women who have married him and abused them. And people keep marrying his ass. No! The worst than that is, in movies, you, you can even see this in one of the movies uh, The Rock does where they're talking, and the director says that he refuses to work with Steven Seagal because Steven Seagal literally says that his character cannot be hurt, his character cannot be stopped, his character cannot die, blah, 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 blah. He pretty much wants to be, like, the superstar that can't be hurt or stopped in any way. He wants to be God. Which isn't fun. That's shitty acting. He wants to be Mr. King. While The Rock, he's willing to get his ass handed to him in movies by people who are a lot smaller. He got his ass handed to him by Stifler. <laughs> but he's saying that's what makes it good yeah. because the more you yeah. get hit down, that's the more for you to come back from. You want to know only coming well. back from all of that are you really earning what you're doing. You want to know the funny thing as well? The Rock, like so many other actors, take... Um, have you ever seen The Condemned with Stone Cold Steve Austin? Yep. I love that film. I like it. Here's the thing though. Both, it could have been better. It could have been better, I'll agree with that. Both of them came from wrestling. And people will say, wrestling is fake. Here's my answer to that. It's scripted. Scripted means they know what's going to happen. They know how it's going to go down. But the injuries they suffer are very oh, yeah. real. They and the had... moves, some of them are fake. Some of them are real. Yeah. You don't get those injuries and bruises and all of that and that muscle tear from just running around pretending. This is why they say they are trained professionals because what they do is very real. Like take um, WrestleMania 22, Edge versus Mick Foley. Edge speared Mick Foley through a wooden table on fire. 
Yes, you can say that's a stunt table. Yes, you can say it's going to break easy. That doesn't change the fact it's on fucking fire. And it doesn't change the fact that that wood could easily break in a way that it kills you. Yeah, and here's the thing. Mick Foley, who is called the hardcore legend, he has been broken in every sense of the word. <laughs> and you don't want to know the funny thing is, he's a best-selling author. I didn't know that. And a lot of WWE superstars have gone on to become actors and they've become pretty well successful. Stone Cold. Well, there was one that didn't. Who was that? John Cena. Um, In yeah. one movie, people yeah. instantly said, nope. Yeah, I will agree with that. But here's the thing, though. Stone Cold did a good movie in The Condemned. I like that. The Rock, he's done a lot of movies lately. The Rock, with the amount of what he's done, beautiful. It's a phenomenal actor. His, people love him. Here's someone who people probably don't know who's been in a few films. Andre the Giant. God rest his I soul. I didn't know that. Yeah, Andre the Giant has been in a few. He's been in a film. I can't remember what it's called, but he's the one where you got this duelist who draws his sword, right? And he's there as like this lovable giant who holds a rock, and he just goes, "How long is it going to take for you to stab me with your sword before I clonk your head with this rock?" <laughs> <laughs> he's like the lovable giant, and then you've yeah. got um, if you've ever seen Riddick, the re the reboot that they did of Riddick after um. The Chronicles of Riddick, which I will say is a very well done film. I like yeah. Vin Diesel as Riddick. Vin Diesel, like yeah. if they, had, the reason the Riddick has worked for every reboot they've done is they've kept Vin Diesel. Oh, he yeah. hates the Riddick. If they changed Riddick. Vin Diesel as Riddick, it would not work. It was just like Fast and the Furious. First yeah. movie, amazing. After that. <laughs> Yeah. It took them a while to get back up, and guess what they had to do? Bring they brought in Vin Diesel. Yeah, he makes the series, and here's the funny thing as well. I can name two actors, well, I can't name, I can, I can only name one of them. But I can name two characters that I've seen them from, apart from Riddick, who is Vin Diesel. I mean, Vin Diesel, who is Riddick. One ah. of them is from Bad Boys 2. Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. Yeah, you can't take them out of the movie. It would no, no, not no, no, be the no, no, same. No, 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 no. They're not in the film. I'm talking about the guy they're after. The Cuban guy. Which movie? Oh, the Cuban guy. Yeah, Bad Boys 2. I can't remember his name, but the moment I heard his voice and I saw him, I was like, I know you from Bad Boys 2. <sighs> I don't he, remember. He was a good actor. Bear in mind, he got his head split in half by Riddick. Enough. And then here's another one you got. You got Batista. Yeah, he was in the Riddick movie. I saw Dave him. Dave Batista. It's hard. A wrestler. And His voice is just obvious. Yeah. Wasn't he also in Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes. No. Vin Diesel Vin was. Vin Diesel he was as Groot. I know that. Vin Diesel was as Groot. Oh, here's another one. You know, people say one film in particular made Vin Diesel want to be Groot. And you know what that film was? What? I'll give you three guesses and I'll give you some hints. It was a animated film. Cartoon or actual animation? Actual animation. Madagascar? Nope. It was a kiddies film. And it came out around about late 80s, early 90s, I believe. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. The Iron Giant. 
Oh my god, I remember that movie! Vin Diesel is the voice of the giant. He is? Yeah, that's Vin Diesel. Oh my god, how did I never notice that? That is Vin Diesel. I didn't know that until someone pointed it out. Someone said the reason Vin Diesel... Someone said that the Iron Giant was probably the reason why he wanted to be Groot, because he was the voice of the giant. How did I not notice that? Oh my god, man. That was like... That was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Ooh. I loved that. I think I've still got that on DVD. It's just the part where the kid sprinkles the laxative on the detective... On the agent's fucking smoothie. That was like... I always thought he was sprinkling chocolate when I was a kid. When I got older, I'm like, oh. And I always loved the guy in the trailer at the junkyard. He was always cool. I always liked him for some reason. He was a, uh, he was good. I liked him, but it yeah. really did surprise me when I learned Vin Diesel was the voice of the giant. I was me like, too, Lane. Like, you caught the reaction on recording. I was like, wait, what? I even watched the movie back and I listened very intently and I thought. <gasps> It is. It was like a bitch slap. <laughs> I'm remembering it scene by scene, and I'm starting to see it now. One of the pinnacle scenes where you can see it is when he goes to Hogarth. You stay, I go. No follow. No, you know what scene that really makes me know it's Vin Diesel? What? The scene where it's. Cowabunga into the water. <laughs> I remember that. I can hear Vin Diesel's voice doing it. And I can also hear him with the deer that got killed. Banzai! I remember... I, oh my god, Superman. I remember it. I remember... Oh my god, the memories! I remember that stupid... <laughs> You know, it was another movie from my childhood that I will never forget. And nobody ever better touch. What? Jim Carrey, The Grinch. I love The Grinch. <laughs> He's a mean one, Mr. Grinch. And when Jim Carrey starts singing the song, or ooh, 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 the scene where the car rushes by him and Jim Carrey as the Grinch goes, It's because I'm green, isn't it? <laughs> oh, oh, or the part he gives the saw to the little girls and like, Make sure to run real fast with it! No, 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 no! I love that movie. Or the part where he asks the dog if he's having a holly jolly Christmas and throws him out headfirst into the snow. <laughs> or, Max! Bring me my sedatives! Grabs the mallet. This will take care of those pesky memories. Bonk! <laughs> oh, Jim Carrey is amazing. Jim Carrey is forevermore one of the greatest actors I've ever known. I remember, I remember him from Batman and Robin Forever as the Riddler. Oh, that was another one he did really well. I'll tell you who, what else. The first but you know what his best movie ever was? His best of the best movie. Bruce best Almighty. Movie. That he can be more than just a nut job. Bruce Almighty. Nope. Ace Ventura. He was a nut job. Ace Ventura. Nope. Want one more guess? Nope, go ahead. And number 23. 
Oh, I think I've, I've still got to watch that. That movie fucks with your brain so much. And even though it was a serious role, mm. he did it amazingly. That is true. That, is that true. was that's one of my all-time favorite movies. Is someone else I don't get? Johnny Depp gets a lot of flack for him because people say he gets too much attention for what he does. Because most people know him from Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Yeah. Here's that the was like... He plays Jack Sparrow amazingly. He is <laughs> Jack Sparrow. Nobody could make a reboot of Jack Sparrow. No. And Jack you... Sparrow is Johnny Depp. If That's... you've seen Pirates of the Caribbean, you are seeing Jack Sparrow. Has anyone ever seen the film with Johnny Depp in called Sleepy Hollow? Yo. And it is the f it is a film based around the Headless Horseman story of Sleepy Hollow. I've seen it. That was now, amazing. Now you tell me Johnny Depp is not a good actor when he can take being Jack Sparrow and becoming him, becoming the guy. I can't remember his name. He becomes every Ichabod. He becomes Ichabod Crane. He becomes yeah. Jack Sparrow. He even became that musical singing, flesh-eating barber. <laughs> oh, Sweeney Todd. He is amazing as an actor. He does it good, and he is diverse. He, gets he can the do attention so many. And the he can he even does. do musicals. <laughs> he can do musicals. Like, God damn it. He and gets like, all the and you can say, say whatever you want about Vin Diesel. He does a lot of action movies, but then again, you look at him like, oh yeah, he looks good for action. But then again, he can also turn around and do kitty movies. Like he can do the Iron Giant universe. He can do the Iron Giant, which you're still probably shocked about. Fire, which was hilarious. Which you're still shocked about him being the voice of the giant. Yeah, my my mind is blown at that. You can tell. You caught my reaction for fuck's sake. I know, I know. But, but this just goes to show that the actors get the attention they do because they're good. Because Johnny, they're Johnny Depp gets the attention he does because he's good. I still remember him from Edward fucking Scissorhands. Oh god, that was an amazing movie. Excuse me. I, I related to Edward Scissorhands so much growing up, and I still do. Yeah, he went I, from. Every time I saw that movie, I wanted to hug him like, oh, my brother, I love you. Keep your fingers away from my ass, they'll cut me open. <laughs> but this ah. is the whole point, though. They become each role they do. I mean, come on, who else can go, I am Groot, in the way Vin Diesel does? Nobody. And again, who else <laughs> could be this? Could be Stifler? But, uh, Stifler. Oh, God. Nobody! Now, here's Every American well. Pie movie that doesn't have Stifler is not isn't popular. Now, here's the thing, though. Stifler's yeah, mom. Stifler. Stifler's mom. I mean, I told him this, and I doubt he believes me. But Stifler's mom, the actor who plays her, she's appeared in a few of things. The first one that you're probably going to remember is um, Two Broke Girls, that U.S. comedy thing, which I actually think is pretty funny at sometimes. But one thing she was also in was a kiddie film that I have on video called Slappy, where she was a teacher. Yeah, that's the kind of teacher where everyone goes to class, sees her boobs, and goes, leaving <laughs> me in the back of the classroom, no one wanting to sit with me in that class because I'm boring because I won't make fun of the teacher. Yeah, but this is what I'm. This is what I mean. She became that role and she played it very well. 
if you, and this is like the whole point it is actually very difficult to act people oh, don't realize how difficult it actually is like i can do role play like a fucking madman i can write like a madman but acting that's a whole nother league however it's in almost everybody's blood to act and even like when you're kids and you're playing pretend, that's a loose form of acting. Yeah. You have the potential. It's just those that enjoy it more will always go back to it. And they made a career out of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. Who's ever seen of the film? Um, who's ever seen the film The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? I didn't like it, and I did at the same time. I thought that film was good. I liked it. It's not one of my favorite films, but I liked it. And I don't know. I feel too, it was too rushed. It was. It was too rushed. I will agree with that. They should have. They should have made it. Even if they had to make it longer, or had to split it up into multiple movies, like first half, second half. Yeah. I would have yeah. preferred it because they would have made it popular. But the thing that I love about it was the amount of characters they got into it. The amount of stories that they were able to fit into this one universe. They got fucking Captain Nemo and the Nautilus. Yep. If you don't know who Captain Nemo is, first off, where have you been? And second, go read They got Jack going Hyde in it. Oh, Hyde. Jack, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde have had several incarnations throughout and I still think the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen did a good one. They did. I liked it. Like, like uh, even though it's it's a British thing, I, I don't know. I liked it. it was Dr. Like, Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is I like Dr. Story. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde just because all of us have that same side and all of us yeah. have that side that just wants to have a little fun. Then again, another incarnation of Jacqueline Hyde I liked was uh, Van Helsing. Van Helsing was good. Here's the thing, though. People who have not seen Van Helsing, all I have to say is this. The guy who plays Wolverine, the guy who plays Logan, he plays Van Helsing. And he did good. Watch it. He did good. He, I'll tell you who you know, it was one, you know what I liked about it, too? They what? didn't keep it just serious. They did it funny, yeah, too. Yeah, did as well. Like, the part where the chick lands... On him oh, with the legs yeah. open between your thighs. I watched They're that. They're just looking at each other like, huh? I watched that a few days ago. I hadn't noticed it as a kid, but I watched it a few days ago, and when she did that, I literally just facepalmed and I went, they did it. Please tell me they did it. <laughs> Even then, that was a good movie. I liked it. And, and you know what my biggest like about the movie was? What? They know what a like it is. That was a proper lichen. It looked like a lichen. It was a lichen. The only thing I had a peeve about was the vampires. Those were not vampires. To be honest, I quite like the actor who played Dracula. I thought he that, played Dracula. That'll get he I, did pretty good. I thought he played a very good Dracula. Oh, he did. Just like who did um, Frankenstein did yeah, amazing. Yeah, Frankenstein was pretty good. I'll tell you one of the lines I love from Van Helsing was when he goes, Did you know that it was you who murdered me? Where he starts telling Gabriel about his story, about his past. Yeah. And he, one of the best lines, I think he just goes, Hello, Gabriel. It's been a no, long time. No, my, well, my 
my favorite line of his was? What? He was talking about people's hearts. Creating oh, a yeah, beat where he goes, dance I to. can hear the beat. I can almost dance to the beat. But yours he is brilliant. So still. I loved it. That to me was like, ooh, I like it. He does it. And if only they didn't nerf you so much and fuck up what you are. I'm sorry, what they made Dracula's true form and all that to be? I didn't quite like that. I kind of wish they preferred Dracula no, and his normal No, they actually screwed self. the pooch, just like they did with Skyrim, the whole vampire lord thing. Yeah. That's actually not a, a vampire. That's actually a species of demon from Ireland. Just like the Banshee. <laughs> sure enough. Anyway. But yeah, that's actually a species of yeah. demon. They went from, oh, he's a vampire, to no, he's a demon. Yeah, to be honest, Dracula, <clears throat> taking away that, taking away the end scene where he turned into that weird thing, Dracula in that movie was brilliant. Yes, he was. I and I loved He was amazingly castle. well done. You know what the one problem with his castle was? What? I wanted it. <laughs> I want that castle. I was looking at it like, oh, God. Yes! Give me thy home! I'll tell you what else I loved about that mo that movie. You know when they're going to make the trade for the girl? Mm -hmm. And they're in the ball and he's dancing with her. And he can just control everything she does. Yep. The way he speaks and it comes across, it just oozes what he intends to do. You know what's even better? What? What's even better is if you watch the mirrors, you see she's the only one with a reflection. Yeah. So once they true. pull out that everyone there is a vampire, you can't find any way to say that's wrong. Because it's right! They even did it from the start. No reflections but her. Everything was done amazingly there. The way they build Dracula's character there, especially like the interesting coincidences between him and Frankenstein, it, well, him and Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. It just built the story, and it worked very well. You know what was awesome, though? What? What was awesome, and I found this refreshing because, you know, like, usually they don't explain it, but they explain it, like, all the kids are like, oh, well, where are these kids coming from? Usually people won't explain that. Van Helsing, actually, they took the time to say, well, if you live that long and you're pretty bored and you have three gorgeous wives, you're going to be doing a lot of fucking and they did also, They, I thought they did a good job of explaining the kids, apart from that, about how when they brought them to life, they're born dead. And that they needed, the, that's why he needed the Doctor to begin with, that's why they brought in Frankenstein, and it worked. Yeah. It my, actually I had my worked. Problems. I had my problems with the movie and whatnot here and there. But other than that, it was amazing. All in all, it worked pretty well. For what they were doing off the lore they were trying to go off of, it wasn't bad. Bear in mind the amount of things they threw all in the pot. They had Jekyll and Hyde, they had Van Helsing, they had Dracula, they had the Lycans, they had Frankenstein. Yeah, the thing they did best out of that whole movie was the Lycans. That was, I liked him, I liked him. I thought he was very well done. Anyway, I think we've been on this topic long enough. Yeah. But I... Okay. So the next one, it sort of goes into it as well, which is retro games. Because how many games have been ruined by a reboot? Yeah. 
I'm sorry, but there's old games that will always be fun. It's like... Okay, have you ever played Fallout 3? I have the Game of the Year edition. Me too. Well, I used to. I need to get the game again, but I don't have the money. I love it's Fallout 3. Fun. It fucking tempts me. I love anyway, Fallout 3. Fallout 3, even though it's ages old nowadays, and by modern standards, it's old and it's out of date. New Vegas itself, even, doesn't compare at all. New Vegas, I thought, was... They did well enough for what they were trying to do. They did well enough, but they yeah, could have done... They could have done a lot better. Whereas in and what, 3... What I disliked the it. most... What I disliked the most about New Vegas was this. Fallout 3... What was your feel of the world around you? What did it feel like? This is probably going to confuse quite a few people, but I thought the world felt very organic in on itself. And what I mean by that is, you can explore this wide open expanse, and bear in mind, you've been in a vault for your entire life, so you have no idea what's out there, and they even have fun with that. Like, you meet the ghouls, you meet the family of blood, you meet the vampires, for the people who want to be vampires. You even meet Harold, who is a god knows how much human turned trait. Mm -hmm. And he is fun to talk to. The world of Fallout 3 just feels very organic. You know what else was awesome about Fallout 3? What? It felt like a wasteland. You could feel... The chaos. You could feel that it's survival of the fittest. Mm. You could see the destruction. You could feel the gloom. You could feel that every moment you're at risk and possibly here's one to of the die. Things, here's one of the things I didn't really like about New Vegas. It didn't affect the gameplay, but I sort of didn't like it was because in Fallout 3, one of the first towns you went to, and one of the ones I actually liked, was a Megaton. Oh yeah. And it was this town built up from scrap metal. Everything is put together with an awful lot of duct tape. <laughs> it is very handcrafted and there's a fucking bomb in the middle of the town by the way. Yo. But and the name Megaton. <laughs> but this is what I mean. This is why I say the world feels organic because you're going to expect them to make houses and such out of whatever they can. And in this case it just happened to be quite a lot of scrap metal. Whereas in New Vegas, Vegas hadn't really been touched. Yeah. Like, most of it had been destroyed, but the Vegas Strip was still there. And to me, as I can understand... I can't really understand why. I say I can, but I can't. I just don't understand why the Vegas Strip is still there when everything else is a wasteland. Bear in mind, you're in the Nevada Desert, so I guess there's that. Otherwise known as the... Oh, no, Nevada Desert as it is is a wasteland. Yeah. What I dislike the most about New Vegas is three things. New Vegas felt very civilized. While it didn't really feel like an apocalyptic world, yeah. it felt more civilized. While if you can look at Fallout 3, you felt that it was an apocalyptic world. You felt that it was survival of the fittest. You felt that it was a much different... Existence. Taking that from a sort of character development point of view as well. Yeah. In Fallout 3, you have to remember, you were a vaulter. You were a vault dweller. 
You grew up in the vault. That's like the whole character creation side of the game is you growing up in the vault. Whereas in New Vegas, you don't get much of a character creation screen. You get shot in the head by Benny, you get rescued by the robot, and you get brought back to life by the doc. You get yeah. revived by the doc. Not really much of an intro screen, but it sets it up well enough, and it's done well enough. It does look visually impressive for the game. It does look visually impressive. I did like it. However, from a character development point of view, I can understand how the game feels more civilized when you have been in this world for some time. You even have a job in this world. Yeah. So you've been in this world some time, and you can you know it. So it wouldn't feel as apocalyptic. It wouldn't feel as much of a wasteland when you are working for the post office. Yeah. <laughs> when the post office is back, you've kind of lost that apocalypse. Yeah, but that's... We're starting to dumb down and get civil again. Yeah, but this is what I mean. This is what I mean. From a character... Cre what, from a character development and all they, point and of view... And the biggest thing is you can even notice. Instead of people hating Mexicans, now they hated super mutants. Had all the <laughs> super mutants up being all civil and intelligent in Jacksonville. Yeah. Instead of in Fallout 3, you met them, they wanted to rip you apart and eat. Actually, talking about that, that fits into the mythos because the guy who owns Jacksonville, well, the guy who runs it, the super mutant who runs it, he is in Fallout 2, mm -hmm. I believe. So, they sort of, you can see what I mean, all the Fallout games tie together, but it's, just the, it's just the way they're brought across. It's, I don't know, it felt too civilized. It, it, Even though there's still plenty of murder and mayhem, and mm. there's still no real... What's that place in, in New in Vegas that I like? But there's still enough law and order yeah. there that you just... It doesn't feel like a wasteland. Yeah. Did you ever go it to... It feels Thorn? more like a... Did you ever feels go more to like Thorn? the Civil War, where it's just finicky lines. Did you ever go to Fawn? I did. I thought Thorn was good. I thought that was a good place. Thorn was, I loved it for the simple reason of, it gave me back the wasteland feel. Yeah, that's what I liked about it. I thought and Thorn you know what else I liked? Good. Remember the Siadra Madre casino, casino deal? Oh, thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Before you go inside, that to me felt reminiscent to Fallout 3. It was like... Ooh, feel that chaotic wasteland feel. It's like it felt like it felt good again. Mm. It felt like an actual wasteland, just like the Lonesome Road. It felt like oh, a proper they, wasteland. They nailed it in Lonesome Road. Just the that whole design of the entire map was amazing. It brought back that feeling of this is an post-apocalyptic world. There's no law. There's no order. It's survival of the fittest. It is. This is doom and gloom, friends. Thorn. That's what I loved about here's, it. Here's what, I, here's what I didn't like about it. I loved everything about it, apart from this one thing. Fawn, I can understand it being there, because it's underground. The Lonesome Road, I don't know how far away this is from the Navajo Desert, but it's like you go from this civilized desert into the apocalypse. That's something else I didn't care for. But, I don't know. But, I can sort of understand it a little bit, because you're not really in the Navajo Desert, you're traveling away. Oh, by the way, it's Navajo not Navajo, Desert. it's Mojave. Mojave. What? Where did I get Navajo from? Native American. I apologize for anyone I have offended. 
Uh, also, the, like the, the the DLC where it was the Native Americans specifically and all that, I liked it because again it felt more like a post apoc That's how the, the Mojave Desert should have been. It should have been more the one with the Native Americans and Joshua Graham and oh, um, the White Legs. Zion, Zion, the Burning yeah. Man one. I thought he was good. I liked him. That was a good one because that's how the whole game should have been. It should have been very primal, very post-apocalyptic, very chaotic, to say the best. With a lot of that, like, taboo feeling, like, yeah. these old pre-war places are cursed. That, like, it felt good. It felt, that's how they should have done Nevada. But because it, this also it was proper brings, wasteland. Yeah, this also brings back to what I was saying, sort of along the character development point of view, where the character in Fallout New Vegas, the courier, has been in this world. He knows it's this world. Whereas in Fallout 3, he was new to the world. He's he was yeah. he lived in a vault his entire life. You know what was an amazing thing about Fallout 3? The what? pit. Oh, I love that. I pit. love that. That, to me, was like... <sighs> This is my kind of wasteland, chaos and anarchy everywhere. I love it. I it also had a very doomsday. It had a very doomsday feeling too. It did. I tell you what I liked as well. The other DLC, not the alien one. The um. Oh god, fuck that one. What's the uh? What's the other one? I'm trying to remember. Um, there was one Long that was sure something like that. Oh, I remember which one. The one that was like going out into the hillbilly area. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Had the, the double barrel shotguns and the yeah. swampland. That was a good one. I like that. Here's two. Here's a couple of reasons why I like that. One, you know what was funny? What? When it when it starts, it almost gave a Silent Hill kind of feeling to it. It did actually, like the mist that never lifts, which just makes it the all mist, the mist, the way the town looked. But it was a really fun DLC. That was a good one. That was here's, one of my favorites. Here's a few of the reasons I like that DLC. One, it felt very creepy. It had a very creepy vibe to it. Oh, that is good. It looked and felt very organic for how it was described, how it was meant to look. It fit how it was meant to look. And the third main reason was, and this is more of a comical one, the ghoul in the suit arguing with the brain in the machine. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant. Oh, uh, that was like the best that, rivalry. Those two made that DLC. That DLC was amazing because of them. You know what my one thing was? I got really pissed off. Like, man, I was hoping I could get to own that mansion, and they went and blew it up. <laughs> sure, it's full of dead bodies, but, you know. Yeah. It was still good. You know what else I would have preferred in Fallout 3? You know, Yo, when you, you know when you're in that DLC and the mansion gets attacked, and he even tells you to put down mines and such, and you feel like, oh shit, I've got to survive. Yeah. Oh, um, that was... I would have preferred a few more missions like that in the main game where you have to hold out, especially with the Brotherhood of Steel, if, like, the Enclave had mounted this massive assault. You know what I always wanted in the original Fallout 3? I always wanted... Like, you were always forced to be good versus evil. Why couldn't you, like, if you're an evil character, why wouldn't you side with the Enclave? Yeah. Or why not just tear them both down and you know what I rule think? yourself? You know what I think they should do for a Fallout game? Hmm? Create the world. Make an amazing expansive world. 
and then give the player the experience to create their own characters. And what I mean by that is choose their own backstories, choose their own faction that they either belong to or that they came from. Yeah. Stick with the character creation they've got with like the appearances, add a few more options in and there. Like just to so they don't look like an attractive fish. Yeah, just to like versatile it up a bit, add a little more variety. Uh, Maybe alter height and yeah, 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 do that. Add um skills. Don't add classes. Do not add classes. Add a few more variety of weapons. Also, make it so you can create your own weapons. I like that in the third game, especially the railway rifle. <laughs> Thing. I just like shooting people in the head and watching yeah. their head get into a wall. <laughs> I would love a Fallout game where you've got this massive open world to play in and you can create, similar to Skyrim. You know where I always wanted it situated? What? New York City, Manhattan. Oh, God. That would have been that? so amazing. Can you imagine that as a wasteland considering what they did in Fallout 3 to Washington, D.C.? Shit, that would be awesome. Oh, you know what would be good? If they did that, if they created a Fallout game where it was situated in New York, you know how there's all the massive skyscrapers and anything? Oh, yeah. They should give your character the ability to free run so you can get around the area a lot quicker. Mm. I think they did that with, like, Skyrim and it worked. I would like to see that. I would like to see that. But here's what I mean. I would like yeah. to see a Fallout game where it was very expansive, but it had the character creation of Skyrim. Round about like Skyrim. That would, yeah, that would actually work. And not only that, but... And this is going to sound really weird, but... We're speaking about retro gaming, so... Mm -hmm. Oblivion. I think I played a little bit of that. Oblivion, I don't care what you say, makes Skyrim look like garbage. And I say this because Skyrim's biggest feature, beyond anything else, was graphics. Everything else about it was very good. While Oblivion, you had the story, you had the size. There was just so much story to it. And the story it, in, just talking about the story of Skyrim for a moment. The story of Skyrim I did enjoy, but I felt it could have been a lot longer, it could have been a lot more filled out, because I oh. did the main quest line. Here's how quick I did the main quest line. I started the game at 10am, right? I yeah. ended it at 6pm. Yep. The main quest line, and that was me without, without fast travelling. That was me walking and riding everywhere. Now, if you actually did fast travel, that would have cut down time a lot. Yeah. Here's the thing, when I play a game like that, I don't like fast traveling. I like to see the world. And I have to admit, Skyrim did that very well. They did, but they could have done better. Yeah. It's like, with Oblivion, every left turn had something new. Yeah. But here's the thing. And there was so much to it. Like, I remember, and this is one of my biggest things. Like, remember when you became a vampire? It gave you that text of your dream. It gave you what you would dream about, like, it gave you story, it gave you, like, almost a role-play in the game, and I loved it. It would make it feel more alive, it would feel like you changed as you played the game. Yeah, and then there's 
that one village you could help get rid of the goblins, and then you would slowly see the village every time you went there growing and be built until it was an actual town. The world felt more organic and it shifted to your actions. Yeah, that's what I felt was amazing about Oblivion, which Skyrim dropped the ball on. Here's the thing. And in Oblivion, your companions felt like companions. They felt like characters. You could grow attached to them. That's something like Dragon Age does beautifully. Dragon Age Origins? Dragon Age Origins did companions in a way that no game I've ever seen before has ever done. And just the interactions they have with each other is beautiful. Here's the thing though, about Dragon Age Origins, everybody has banged Morrigan at least once. And here's the reason why. She's the she's bad chick. And people she's just my love kind a bad of chick. Girl. Everyone just loves a bad girl. No, I like the rebel girl. That's why I'm into punk chicks. <laughs> if I see a woman wearing punk, my eyes immediately go, ooh! Ooh! Because you know how I am. She needs to have a brain and the right heart for me to get attention. That but if Morgan she's wearing does. punk clothing, my brain skips a beat and goes, whoop! Yeah, Mor Hello! Morgan does have the brains. She has, she's, she's got a good head she on her soldiers. She was smart. She, no, she was, she had the brains, she had the heart, she had the loyalty, and she had the look that I like. All in all, that would be my mm. ideal woman. That's the kind of woman I'd marry. Here's, here's, the, here's another thing as well. The companion interactions with each other, not just with you, because you were mostly silent through the game, but the characters' interactions with each other, like the the interactions between Morrigan and Alistair, I found myself oh. laughing. Oh, you know what's even better? What? Interactions between Wynn and uh, the, the dwarf. I forget his name. Hogren or something like that. Hoffren, Hogren. I don't remember, but the those... Like, they were talking, yeah. They were talking about, like, he has to shave his beard. Like, what do I do? Saves all the flavor. And after a while of eating, you can find a snack. Oh, I forgot about that. There. Oh, God. There's also... <laughs> it was just... One of the best interactions I've had is when you're walking through a farm and Shale is with you. And she just... And he sees birds. And she just... She must have seen a chicken or something. She must have seen the chicken... Because she just goes, can we please hurry it up? And then I think it was Alistair who was with me. And he just goes, what's the matter, Shell? And he just goes, and she goes, nothing is the matter. I'm just getting the urge to squatch a bird. <laughs> that, that always made But that, that is what I loved about the characters. We're giving her the, 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 um, the present of the uncrushable pigeon. <laughs> I did that so many times. I bet she didn't like that. Nope. You got a minus 75 relationship with her instantly. <laughs> what did she say when you gave it to her? I am eager to hear this. I will never say! You'll have to find out on your own! Tell me! <laughs> she threatens to stomp your head into a puddle. Bear in mind, this woman is like a seven-foot-tall stone golem, so that's not exactly oh, impossible for her to do. But yeah, the game is old, but Dragon Age was amazing. Now, if you look at that, like, just Oblivion companions were still good in Oblivion. Mm. Now, if you look at Skyrim, the Skyrim had a shitload of companions, but they were very, they were there pretty was, much just husks. There weren't many. Might as well have been just another NPC. Like, there weren't many I could text yeah. to. The only one that was done right, the only one with depth, the only one with an actual character behind it, was 
Serana from freaking uh, Dawn Guard. And you saw there was more than just that one generic side of the coin, because when she's there with the Snow Elf, she goes dark. Even I was going, ooh. Oh, when um she finds out the Snow Elf is the vampire. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, was going, I remember oh, that. Oh, oh, I remember that. Just lit a fire in my loins. Bend over. I tell you who else I liked. Her father. <laughs> Her father yeah, like, was a good he's character. He's also done well, and he didn't have one side of the coin. He had a couple sides. Her mother was very. Her mother was good as well. I liked her mother. Eh, the mother was okay. Could have done better. Could have done better. Yeah, they could have done better with the whole game. Then again, mm. but, but the marriage thing, while well, a nice addition, they could have like never I don't really know. changed anything. Like it never changed anything, and it was just way too like. It had no feeling to it. You didn't grow attached to that thing. It was more like a benefit of going here's, home and getting some money. Here's the thing as well. I like, the marriage in that game was buy a necklace, go, what's up, bitch, yeah. want to marry me? Here's, oh, I love you for all eternity! Here's That's the not thing, Here's the thing I didn't like about it Skyrim. It should have been a slow and marry the bitch and bang her. Yeah. Here's the thing I didn't like about Skyrim. I helped the Empire against the Stormcloaks, right? Then I went and did the main quest to fight Anduin, right? I kill Anduin. I go back to the main city. I can't remember the name of it. It's been a long time. I go to the Blue Palace. I walk up. I talk to the woman. I look for an option to say, how is it going now the Stormcloaks are dead and so on. There is not a single new option I can see. Which... Let me down. I felt very let down by this, and I started to notice it everywhere. You know what my problem was? My biggest problem with that little quest line of the Stormcloaks and the Empire is I always wanted to help the Stormcloaks, but they wore the wrong color. <laughs> Literally because they wore blue, I, re I refused to help them. I refused to do the quest, because if I couldn't do them, I wouldn't do it, because... The Imperials seemed a little too Catholic. I mean, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Anyway, I've been... I can understand that, but you don't know why I helped the Empire. I had no problem killing the Ultimary Dominion, though. Oh, they, I was going, okay, you're an Inquisition of the... <laughs> okay, let's have some fun. No, here's you ain't gonna tell you I can't, I can't worship, bitch. Here's, here's why I helped the Empire, right? And this is the only reason I helped them. I was playing an Orc at the time, right? And yeah. as an Orc... I dressed in nothing but a fur loincloth, and I had an axe. I had a battle axe with me, right? So I was pretty much going barbarian. I walk down this cobblestone road, and I see an orc getting attacked by stormcloaks, right? So I end up helping the orc out, who thanks you for your assistance, and then she walks off, bitch. So then, because... Because... I was pretty much into role-playing that character because the Stormcloaks had attacked an orc. That was it for me. That was it for my character. He would never then trust again, the Stormcloaks yeah, again. The Stormcloaks were supposedly very, like... Racist. Yes. Yeah, but here's the thing as well. Well, actually, racist would fit because, you know, yeah. meta Here's the thing as well. Here's the thing as well. I helped the Empire, and um, one of, I passed an old Mary Dominion patrol, right? And I was walking the other way, they were walking the other way to me, right? So we walked past off of it. The guy stops, he looks at me, 
and he goes, <laughs> I see the orcish filth still walks around, and uh, bear in mind I was still in my loincloth at this, and I pulled out my axe, and I went, bear in mind I said this to myself, I didn't say this in game, I said this to myself, I went, you elvish cur, I help the empire, but for that I shall have your head, and I shall spice my meat with elfin blood. I dined well that night, <laughs> and they never talked bad about me again, mainly because I couldn't. <laughs> I, I always did a different approach, and guess and what, I was, I was using a character there that was just pure, oh, I loved it. I had my own little story in my head going, too. Never mind, I was playing, I was, I was playing an honor-bound orc, an orc who took honor very seriously, even though he dressed like a barbarian. I was playing a Nordic vampire <laughs> whose goal was to unify vampires and all that and make so that the only supernatural beings in Skyrim were those vampires who worked with him so that it benefited not only their kind but humankind. Which is why he would go out and become the leader and owner of things so that he could better infiltrate his people with humanity. Kind of like a build-up to my modern-day books, where the vampires kind of like pull the strings of the yeah, human world along the scene. That's kind of what I was doing, but in a medieval setting. You know... I'm in Fallout... <laughs> I'm having a look... In Fallout, I used to have an old character. I'm having a look at this time this Skype call is taking. It's currently at 3 hours 11 minutes. We've been going really? for a while. Yeah, 3 hours 11 minutes. Gee, um, how many topics do we still have? Uh, we covered all of them apart from the last two. Well, we've covered five, which was what makes good horror. So we've pretty much covered that already. So I can tick that one off. I've got a little notebook with me. With well, there's a little more I'd like to elaborate on, but... We've pretty much covered that. There's more I'd want to elaborate on, but... Eh. Yeah. You know what I mean when I say pretty much. We can add more to it, but we've pretty much covered it. The only one that was still left to do, considering we've done retro games, which, once again, we could add more to, but considering that the only last one left was um, the final review of Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. Which Let's do that quick. You wanted... I, I was waiting to say... I was waiting for you to say either we do that quick or we do that no. So, hmm. no, no. When I here's the thing with the podcasts, um, it's a joint effort because it's both of our thing. Yeah, both of us do it. It's a thing we do. I pick the name of the podcast. Most of the topics usually came from me, so I don't want to like cut you out of something that you're part of. You know. Mutual respect. Who? The reason I say it's a final review is because knowing Nylon, he doesn't like talking about this at all. So <sighs> this will be the last time this topic will be appearing on the podcast, but it may appear Unless a we couple get more really times. Angry and have to rant and rage. Yeah, that like if. Five Nights at Freddy's 5 gets <laughs> confirmed. Oh, God. If Five Nights at Freddy's 5... Be and that sounds so stupid, but I'm willing to admit that will be the reason Scott does it. If he does make Five Nights at Freddy's 5, I will seriously find out where he lives, 
save the money, go there, and punch him square on the jaw. I'm making five nights at Freddy's. That's one. That's two. That's three. That's four. That's five. That's for each of your games. Now I'm going to punch you for every clone made of it. And then I'll do one worse. Now this is one punch for every person that likes your game. That'll be what kills him. <laughs> no, it won't be I'll what have to kills keep punching him. him after he's dead. It won't, it won't be what kills him. That'll be what turns his head to mush. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then again, all the clones, I'd probably kill him on that. Anyway. The reason I... This will be the last time the topic appears on the podcast, but I'll probably be doing a few more videos of it. I'll probably be doing at least one more of it on my if YouTube you channel. Five Nights at Freddy's for... I will not only laugh, but I will slap. No, 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 no. I'm not going to play the game. What I say... What I mean by that is I made... I said I would keep my eye on the development of the game after my opinion video on it. No, I understand you're still going to make videos like on your opinion and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I'll play another Five Nights at Freddy's games. Like, I played Five Nights at Freddy's 1, I got up to Night 4, and I stopped playing it. Like, I played, Dude. I think I did three attempts of Five Nights at Night 4, and I just got bored of it. Dude, on your channel, you have more important things to be playing, and better things to be playing. You don't need to go with every sing single game that every popular YouTuber does. Like, you have to find your own groove, which you do beautifully. Hearthstone, Eternal Lords, everything. You found your own groove. There you go. The reason me and Logan appear is because we fit into your groove. <laughs> which is why we do the podcasts. That is true, and we work pretty well with this. Anyway. Yeah. Here's the final review of it. Here's my <coughs> final... We're going to do this as sort of like final comments and final opinions. Okay? So we're going to get through this pretty quick. Here are my final opinions on the game as a series whole. This is of the series as a whole, including number four, which I don't know much about. Five Nights at Freddy's 1. It was okay. Like, it had a decent enough story for me... I liked the gameplay. It was simplistic, but I kind of enjoyed that. It was a nice simplistic thing. It wasn't too overpowering, it just had the right nicks. The jump scares got really, really repetitive, and I wish it had a little bit more of a creepiness, like we did discuss in one of the videos we did about how we would remove the jump scares and just focus on the creepiness factor. But, um, other than that, well, I did enjoy it, but like I said, I only got to about night four and then I just stopped because I got bored of it. And this is true for all the Five Nights at Freddy's games, no matter how you try and change it. Like in 2 you had the Freddy mask, in 2 you had the two different screens you had to look at. You can just get bored of it really, really quickly because it is so damn repetitive. And I'll admit the game looks good. It has good graphics, I will say that. Here's the thing though, they're not really animated, they're more JPEGs, they're more frame-by-frame frame JPEG images. Yep. Which is essentially what an animation is. But what I mean by that is, take one of the clones, for example, called One Night of Flumpties. That game is a hundred times better. Than any of them put together. Mainly because it has a lot of suspense, it's very tenseful, and you will shit yourself a lot. 
And it's really well done with the drawings and everything, the movement. Oh yeah, t especially in Five Nights, especially at One Night of Flumpty's 2 where, um... Oh yeah. Because in number 2 you have to, here's a good feature I liked about number 2. In number 2 you have the owl which comes down the vents, but it orientates which vent it comes down in. Like it comes down the right and it comes down the left vent, right? You yeah. can close one vent, but closing the one vent will open the other one. So if you close the wrong vent, it will open the right vent that he's coming down. Meaning you're screwed. And also, they will show you and they'll fill up your um, uh, insanity bar or whatever it is. And you have to turn off the light. But turning off the light also means you can't use the camera, so you don't know where they're going. You don't know who's about to show up. So it's really a game of picking your moment and picking your time. But other than that, there's one key animation that I like. And that is Birthday Boy Blam's animation of when he leaves. You actually see him walk past the door. And he has a pretty good walking animation. Oh. Whereas in Five Nights at Freddy's, you just close the door, you turn on the light, you see them there, you turn them on again, they're gone. You don't see them walk away, you don't see them turn around. You don't even see them tilt their heads or anything. You just see them standing there. Yeah. Which, I would prefer them to move a little bit more. Like, this is why I like Springtrap a little bit more than the others. Like, don't get me wrong, Foxy's running animation, that was, that was good. That was well done. I'll give Scott that. I'll give the devil his due. However, Springtrap I liked because he had a little bit more of an animation to him, especially when he, like, limped in. And, but it was still just that moment of where he comes in, does the jump scare, static, dead. It just got really repetitive, and when it gets repetitive, it gets boring. You know, even the scares just lose all effect. They're not even really scary, they're more like, <gasps> they're more the jump. Yeah. It distracts you because you get, it's that system of you have to get so stuck into what you're doing that when they finally do get here, you're like, oh shit. And this, was like, scary. this is yeah. what a lot of people had a problem with for Five Nights at Freddy's 2 because you had to deal with 11 animatronics. 11. Yeah. One of which will insta-kill you if you don't wind up the music box. That game just flooded you with too much to do. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's uh, what, those are my final opinions and comments, so now we'll get an island and then that'll be it. Well, my final opinions, I'm going to do it by a grading system of 1 to 10. Mm -hmm. Game 1, 3 out of 10. Game 2, 0 0.5 out of 10. <laughs> Game 3, 1 out of 10. Game 4, not even out yet, don't care, 0 out of 10. <laughs> Game 5, if it makes it, I'm Scott, you better... Fucking run! I will track you down. I will punch you for every game you've made, every clone made of your game, and every person who backs your game because you have gone from a talented son of a bitch with a potential future to a money grubbing dumbass. And what he means by that is, if 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 you've got the mobile versions of the game, you have to pay about five dollars for the cheats. Cheats, I ask you, in an FNEF game. You can literally look up everything you want from every YouTuber, from every site, and it'll show you how Scott operates with his games. It's very money-grubby. It's very catering to the fans for the sake of money. 
And he does it in the most illogical and stupid ways possible, so it's fun done. I don't like Five Nights at Freddy's. I think it's one of the worst things that happened to horror. If you want good horror, look up Vincent Price, A Night with Edgar Allan Poe. It's even on YouTube. It is amazing, and that is proper horror. I thought you were going to say look up Outlast. Outlast is a much better game if the ending isn't good enough. I'd have to say, again I say, Amnesia the Dark Descent, best horror game I've seen to this day. That is true. So anyway, that's all six topics for tonight. Just a quick rundown. We did the shout-out, we did Apoc Survival, we did reboots, we did retro games, we covered what makes good horror, and now we've done FNEF, the final review. Yep. So, this has been the return to Insight to Insanity. We'll try and get them out more frequently, probably once a week, maybe twice a week. Depending on Slap only if he doesn't do it because it's always his fault because he's not who wants to hang out with me. Oh. Bitch, me when you're not looking. Oh, shut up, woman. Bitch, I will make you my own. <laughs> anyway. I will make you my bitch. Anyway, this has been my only bitch. a... Nyland, we're doing the outro, goddammit. Anyway, this has been Oni of Taint. He's been... Nyland, welcome to the asylum. Please subscribe if you have enjoyed our madness. Subscribe now and leave a comment if you want not only a shout-out, but hey, maybe a surprise, because we are thinking of ways to thank our fans and viewers. And leave a comment saying what you'd like us to talk about, or maybe your views. Me Who knows what you might get to hear in the next one. Me and Nyland also check the podcast stats daily, pretty much, so we know when people have commented and much, and we will reply to your comments, we will interact with the fans, as we should. Because, let's face it, if people like this, we should give them the appreciation for liking it. Because it's not so much... A, like, we would do it just for fun, even if it wasn't something that we get recognition for or anything. It's for fun most of the time. And something just to share our views. But if you like it and you support us, hey, you deserve as much credit as we do for any success. And even though Oni won't say anything, I know he really enjoys the podcast, even I though he hides from me. I am one of those people who has a very tough time with speaking about his emotions. Yeah. And also check out Oni's uh, YouTube channel, Oni of Paint. Easy to find, trust me. Yeah, it uh, really is. He does some videos, and honestly, he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. He's been having a little bit of a tough time. Give him some love. Who knows? <laughs> I've done some pretty crazy shit with him there, too. You never know. What madness. Is true. Here's, one, here's a video for you, and I will even try to link it into the description of this podcast. Just watch the... Deep breaths. Just watch what this mother flubber makes me do on Subnautica. That is all I'm going to say. I'm out. Take care and sayonara. Welcome to the asylum. <laughs>